the Augustin Hosinga Show with your host Augustin Hosinga. Smack the shit out your bitch ass midget girlfriend, nigga. <laughs> And welcome back to the Agostino Zynga Show with I, your host, Agostino Zynga. And this is episode number 671. That is 671. In Espanol, I'm pretty sure, but I may be wrong. But regardless, this is the Agostino Zynga Show with I, your host, Agostino Zynga. And this is episode number 671. And I hope you are doing well wherever this podcast may find you. I hope you are doing absolutely swimmingly sorry about that my phone blared up in the background but it is what it is we keep on moving we keep on continuing how have i been pretty good all things considered i cannot lie last last night last night not last night but last night i had a pretty decent running session i've been running two times this week which i'm feeling good about back to back actually i took a break in the other times but i'm feeling good now i maybe even go for another run on the sunday to make it free and then just keep going and going and going but i'm currently doing crossfit endurance program of running where essentially you do um shorter sprints shorter runs and then you build up to like a somewhat longer run at the end of the week most long distance kind of training programs they usually let you or they usually kind of prescribe a, a routine where you run like incremental right you go from like running two miles on a monday three miles on a wednesday five miles maybe on a friday and then maybe a six or seven or ten really slow run on a sunday to kind of build yourself up but on the one i'm doing now at the moment crossfit endurance which was popularized by this guy called Brian McKenzie. And the idea behind that is to run with a particular form, which is pose running, make sure that you're, you know, you got the good form, make sure that your heels are slapping your bum as you're running and make sure that you're breathing out, you know, you're breathing in and out through your nostrils only, which is really difficult, especially for me, considering I have all my sinus issues and allergies and shit, but it's really good in terms of building your overall cardiovascular capacity. And what you do is that you run like two, like I did 200 meter runs, one minute rest, and you do that for like six or seven times and then you ramp it up to like two no 400 meters then you do 800 meters then you, do, then you obviously do um a thousand and then at the end of the week you do like your one mile timed race or timed run to kind of see how fast you can do it and then you ramp it up at the end of the week or week by week by week until you get to a point where you kind of build up your levels and for me at the moment given my current weight it's the best thing because you know going out to run three miles and running it really slowly and having terrible form and then injuring myself isn't worth it so i'd much rather run short distance have my form be intact and then be able to kind of get to a point where I am at the cardiovascular level needed to kind of do the longer runs later on and it's not new to me it's not coming from a new guy I've run plenty of races I've done loads of half marathons I've done loads of 10ks loads of 5ks but obviously over time you know I kind of slacked and put my took my foot off the pedal and as most of you guys know from working out 
if you don't work out, if you don't work out often or you miss a couple of days, it doesn't matter how much you can bench, how much you can flip in, you know, squat. If you take some days off, you go back straight to zero. Same thing if you do push-ups at home. You start doing 100 push-ups at home, then you miss a couple of days and suddenly you can't clear 50 without breaking. So it's, it becomes weirder than how the body reacts. But I'm getting back into it. I'm really enjoying it. And I can't lie. One of my greatest satisfactions is something that I've always kind of, re- I kind of realize it nowadays, like kind of, you know, understanding myself more and whatever it may be. I'm kind of understanding who I am and I'm kind of trying to come into my power, you know, all that sort of stuff, right? But one thing I've definitely noticed is that I get some weird level of satisfaction and I get a feeling of being better than people when I'm running really late at night or when I'm running early in the morning. Early in the morning during the week is the best, especially if it's like 6 a.m. or something or 5, because sometimes you'll meet some people when you're running down the street, people who are going to work early and they can see you running early. So they know you're getting it in early before your work or you're just waking up early like a psycho to go run outside in the cold or in the rain. You, you feel flipping powerful. You feel like a flipping superhero doing that. But sometimes I also love running late at night, especially on the, towards the weekend. Like I ran obviously on Friday night to before as people were actually, people are either coming back home from nights out with their colleagues after work or they're leaving to go on a night out especially the area that i live in a lot of people are doing that right not a lot of like people coming back from work at that time mostly people are kind of leaving to go out or have come back from a work do and they're swaying down the street they're carrying a bottle or whatever they're doing it and then here you are running right i'm having a good time i'm feeling good i'm feeling strong and you're feeling better than those people but the reality is most likely what they see is this big black dude in some really tight shorts shorts are probably a little bit too tight my flipping massive serena william butt cheeks flapping in the wind and i've got this huge triangle almost air freshener flipping sized um sweat mark on my buttocks for some reason when i run no other place gets sweaty as much as the flipping crack on my butt crack. So whatever shorts I'm wearing, and last night I was wearing some really nice blue shorts I bought from Amazon, running shorts, but there was a nice kind of, you know, um, sweat stain on the back. So here's me thinking I'm look amazing in my hooker, in my, well, no, in my hookah on their own shoes, running down the street, feeling amazing, feeling strong. But the reality of it is people see me like, ugh. Yeah. I <laughs> mean, this guy at like 11 p.m. They're like, ugh. What the hell is this about? This guys all this you know how's he squeezing all that junk into the shorts and i'm like guys relax 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 i'm doing this because it's out in mason season i mean i'm trying to fit into my acnes i'm trying to fit into my saint laurent trying to fit back into my rick owens trying to look good in my balenciaga even if it is oversized that's the only reason why i'm doing this but it's weird it's it kind of happens in real time but it was kind of good satisfaction because i saw a lot of people came back home from nights out and you know here i am running having a good time but yeah long story short i'm loving it it's going amazing like i said before the money's still in my pocket i'm feeling good um prospects are looking up and whatnot and you know just today the coronation of the flipping queen happened earlier on right the queen the coronation of the king see look at that look at all that flipping madness propaganda on the radio something infected my brain the coronation of the king happened it's raining now so it rained on their parade liverpool fans are the one decent thing they've done all season and they booed in their national anthem so i'm feeling good and i'm feeling fine on top of that I also need to make a promise to myself to never pass by my local cash converters. I'm not too sure if you guys have the similar thing where you guys are. I'm pretty sure you do. But a cash converter here in the UK is a basically a... um um, what do you call it like a high street version of a pawn shop but it's for like electronics mostly i know other pawn shops do other things but most of the time the place that's near me it's mostly electronics 
and watches and stuff and sometimes jewelry but not really jewelry no no not jewelry actually it's mostly electronics and of course watches and whatever else it may be but sometimes when i pass by it you find some real steals because unfortunately um you go especially the one i live by like it's got all the stuff that i would be interested in like audiovisual stuff and of course music equipment and it can be quite sad going into a cash converse i'm not gonna lie it can be quite sad because you feel like it's the land of like broken dreams you see all these you know gadgets and all these flipping gear and equipment that somebody had when they were pursuing maybe a career in something or an interest and now they have to kind of convert it for money because they're kind of broke and don't have anything and sometimes people use that as collateral it's kind of like a a good loan it's kind of like a good way to get a loan if you have aren't able to get a loan from a bank so if you have something worthwhile you can basically you know send give it to cash converters they can give they can give you some money for it which is usually nowhere close to what it's actually worth because obviously they've got to sell it on and make their profit or whatnot but then you also have an option to buy it back later but you get some cash in the meantime if you actually need it to kind of pay the bills and stuff so it, it's whatever but it can be a little bit i might have conflicting the you know views and feelings when i go in there it's an amazing opportunity to get some amazing tech and electronics for cheap but then it also makes me feel like damn man like all these broken dreams that i'm kind of benefiting from right these people that kind of gave up on their dreams gave up on their hobbies or whatnot and now here i am benefiting on it anyway when i put that to one side in the same way that we all go to bars and we probably, you know, we would like to have plastic straws instead of, you know, paper ones because they just, they just, they're just better and we don't care how many turtles die. So we kind of put that to one side. When I put that to one side, I did end up picking up a pretty decent thing the other day, right? When I went to the flipping catch converters and I picked up this Canon PowerShot digital camera. And you're probably wondering, why did you buy a Canon PowerShot digital camera when you've got an iPhone 14 Pro Max, whatever, right? I just got it recently, whatever, maybe. And it's got a really good good camera on it and blah, 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 blah. Well, if you guys don't know, nowadays it's become very, very in vogue to film like lo-fi type videos. And the funny thing about lo-fi nowadays, when I was growing up, the the version of lo-fi that was like used in like um art and design and promotion and marketing type of stuff was usually VHS. So guys were going out and buying VHS cameras. I forgot what the particular model is, but it's a model that people used to film skate videos back in the day. And brands used to pop, you know, you buy those cameras all the time and directors and stuff and basically film their video with that camera or they'll try to get a camera close to that quality to have that kind of grainy vhs type quality on their videos nowadays what people like to see or the kind of the in-trend thing to see and to do nowadays is to film your video and make it look like an old digital camera from like the early 2000s so it's that whole 2000 kind of you know core thing happening at the moment so usually cameras are like anywhere between like i would say 8 megapixels to 12 megapixels which was kind of like what those digital cameras were like back in the day or your phone like think of like a nokia phone from then motorola phones sony ericsson's phones maybe they're about 6 megapixels but all those cameras uh, can naturally kind of give this weird little kind of grain that's what the kids are using and i really want to start filming some in club video review type things that's my kind of next project i want to do on the channel and just overall in terms of content i want to create because as passionate as i am about club culture sometimes just sitting here talking about my experience in the club can't sometimes doesn't come across the grace with just me sitting in front of my bookcase and i've had complaints of some people saying oh you know here i am sitting here after the fact complaining that the the club was too cold right it just doesn't sit the same without any evidence of it or like b-roll or whatever it may be so i'm gonna use this camera actually which i've got which is a canon powershot a10 a1 a10 sorry as you can see here right pretty decent camera it's funny because this this camera is if I'm not mistaken, happy to say megapixel. It doesn't say it on here. 
it doesn't tell you megapixel. Oh no, sixteen megapixel. But the the footage is really grainy, so, so I don't think the video footage is that. So it may be sixteen megapixel for the camera, but I, I think for the video it's probably far less. But the interesting thing about this camera is that when you open the flipping um, bottom where all the flipping batteries are, right here where the memory card is, it's actually AAA or sorry AA batteries. It's not an actual battery cartridge that you would get. So it's a bit different. So I think this is probably a really cheaper version, a really cheap version, an affordable version of a power shot. I'm sure Canon make loads of power shots, but this isn't like a, you know, one of those amazing ones that people have, but it'll do the job. And obviously we've got a memory card holder as well there that you can put in there that's already, that's in there that I can use. And of course, the fact that I've got an old MacBook Pro means that I can pop the micro SD directly into the laptop and, and obviously edit it and shit. So the plan is to use this camera when I next go out and record some footage. Look how small it is compared to my hand. Like, Jesus, if I've got really massive hands or oh, this camera is fucking tiny, I look like an absolute gargantuan with that, innit? Jesus. But yeah, anyway, um, I'm going to use this when I next go out to a club and record some footage and stuff and edit it together and obviously um, try and do some version of a cool flipping club night review, DJ review type of thing and see how that goes. So that should be pretty fun. And most likely <laughs> this camera will be the reason why I get blocked by some more flipping professional DJs out there who are unhappy that I say, oh, I didn't like the flipping set. I mean, that like, those guys are so sensitive. It's unreal. But yeah, I'm still looking forward to it. I think it's going to be pretty cool and pretty fun to do. So that's the new project I'm currently working on. Um, talking about nights out, actually, one of the things I'm looking forward to, to going to that I may actually end up attending next week is this event here courtesy of resident advisor because you now i like to recommend to you guys some place that you should maybe check out especially if you're over here in london to kind of go out and party at and this is this it's a promotional team called origins that i've been to many of their nights over the years and i have to say they're definitely up there in terms of um their range definitely up there in terms of the just a kind of um, interest in terms of the experiences and the spaces that they use and the djs and the sound and the crowd's always amazing just this just this friday gone i think at um night tales they had the incredible the, um, the ghost playing i think at night tales and they usually play like dick's disco type of you know indie dance type of vibes and then now next week on friday the 12th they're gonna have spf dj playing all night at one of the best venues we have here in london outside of fold of course that i love but one of the other best venues especially if you're in south is venue mot and it's essentially if you don't know the location it's kind of like near these railway arches which are which and some of them are like warehouses or garages and stuff and they're obviously in an arch kind of environment so i think the acoustics are really good obviously it can get a little bit chilly in there because you know it's basically under an arch and it's not really insulated the best but the sound i think is pretty decent and just an, it's a nice experience because it's kind of out of the way they can crank the volume up really loud i think so compared to other clubs and they usually have a very eclectic i think um booking policy a lot of it's kind of like bass kind of um you know um, influence and driven but i do think they have a very interesting way they kind of book people and this i think is one of the more interesting bookings because spf dj is definitely somebody that i wouldn't say she occupies like business techno kind of field but she's definitely in that kind of group of like you know hot caucasian women who play really fast electronic music who some people may be looking at and say oh she's all image and it's just there's no substance to it but I'm a fan. I, I honestly do think her sets are really good for, especially considering the kind of class of people that she's in. Um, I can't think of the other girl as well who's similar to her. I think she might be Polish. I think she lives here. I forgot her name, but there's a particular kind of group of girls all in that crew, all in that kind of clique or in that kind of band who, you know, it's just not, not their fault. They're just born the way they are. They look good and they, and they kind of DJ well behind decks. 
And um, they've obviously had a real kind of burst in stardom over the years. But personally, I feel like the stardom is, is kind of warranted. You know, they're all hustlers. Like their booking schedule is absolutely crazy. I could just check it here actually on this event to see how many dates flipping SPF DJ is playing. But they're always flipping playing somewhere. And I think this kind of goes a long way, especially in this flipping land of people complaining about their gigs and DJs complaining just in general and not really kind of take, you know, it's kind of taking the whole opportunity they have for granted. But look at this, just looking at Resident Advisor, the SPF DJ flipping booking list, right? In terms of where she's playing up and coming gigs, she's going to be in flipping Medellin, Medellin in Colombia this saturday which i'm recording the podcast now on the 6th and then another event in in colombia then she's flying back to london to play that event then the following day back in in nuremberg to play then the following week in madrid then the follow then the following day on that the 19th in new york then miami then toronto then belfast then glasgow then you know um somewhere in holland i think that is then marseille then dortmund then another place in holland then bergen then Malta, it's like a crazy schedule. So I think a lot of this has to do with, yes, the popularity, but also the work ethic and definitely the quality. Like she's not shit for sure. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what that flipping origin nights is going to be like, especially because I'm somebody who thinks as good as I think she is, I don't know if SPF DJ is like good in terms of being able to play like an extended set because this is going to be an all out long set this is going to be basically a six hour set so she's playing from 11 to 5 a.m and usually DJs like her I feel like similar to maybe an immediate lens which is a bad comparison but just bear with me I think even though I'm not a fan of the immediate lens I can understand why people will be fans of her because she gives you what you want it's sort of like hard hitting you know bangers it's sort of like you know what you call it an hour to two hour sets and it's just bang 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 in your head you might get a bit of an intro you might get a bit of an outro but there's no kind of like you know journey there's no nothing it's just hard hitting anthem straight to your dome and you dance you faint your eye your pupils get dilated your armpits start sweating you start screaming you start shouting you have crust on the corner of your mouth and you go home happy so that definitely is a way to go about things. But I reckon SPF DJ is a similar sort of thing, but I think she probably, in my opinion, from having seen her play a couple of times, I feel like the two-hour mark is where she's at her sweet spot. But I think if you give them people too long sometimes, they can get a little bit nuts. But sometimes, sometimes in some cases, you're you're kind of a you're kind of a tra- you're kind of trapped in your own success. Because you're so successful playing those shorter kind of sets, people only book you for those shorter type of sets. But what you really want to do is go on a musical journey. We saw that happening a little bit with um Scream. Um he was known for playing a certain type of music, and then all of a sudden he wants to become a little bit more experimental and kind of come out of his flipping comfort zone. And here he is now playing disco all night long in these kind of venues and absolutely killing it so maybe spf dj deep down has always been this person to play all night long sets and this is the opportunity that she needs to kind of go you know what fuck this shit i'm not the banger girl anymore let's go let's let me take you on a journey and then let's go from there because i've seen some people on the Bergheim reddit um changing their mind very slowly over time about the dj uh daria Kalos, Ka, have, 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 i say her name daria kalosa 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 um the woman who is um married to etap kyle right and um, she's been booked a lot regularly in flipping Bergheim to the point where i think it might come a time where you'll see her maybe get announced as a resident or she already is an unofficial resident without the label on it but she plays there quite often and in the beginning and she was playing there often especially maybe a couple of months ago a few months ago um people like oh man she's not good she's got the bangers only it needs to be flipping more of a journey it's like tiktok techno and now over time i'm seeing more and more people saying no she's actually quite decent so she's kind of won that crowd over 
and maybe that's just a a nature of like being allowed to play longer than your two hours you're used to playing at most of your gigs or more than two four, four hours whatever it may be and now you get a chance to kind of explore or maybe just because of the the platform you go to burger and you know you can get a bit weird and you're not going to lose the crowd because everyone in there wants you know basically wants to be there they trust you in what you're doing and they're kind of going to go along with you on that journey so i'm eager to see what's going to be happening but obviously for me the only thing that's annoying is that this origins spf dj all night uh, long event happening on friday the 12th here um in london at venue mot from 11 to 5 a.m which um in south london unfortunately is sold out sold out completely which is absolutely crazy like this is one of the first ones i've seen in a while events like legitimately sold out i'm sure there'll be some of tickets still left at the door but considering all the kind of cool club kids that we've got here in london who kind of like this sort of sound and are going to be in there in their droves dressed up in their flipping um funny sunglasses like i have and stuff and you know with their techno clothes and their bondages and their lycrases i'm sure it's going to be a bit of a roadblock so i am not i am kind of pleased to see this new feature from ra where they can notify you about tickets that come available this wasn't always a thing so now in this events listing they've got this ra tickets tickets for event are sold out get notified when ticket comes available obviously i'm going to toggle that there we go so i'll be notified when the tickets do come available so i can then go to the event because i really really really, really want to go and see it because i trust origins they're put on decent nights and i'm just you know surprised to see that somebody would book expectations to play an all-night set probably it's it's maybe just a it's probably just a you know as a promoter it's a good opportunity just to kind of book them because you know she's gonna cost a lot i think i don't think spf dj plays for like 200 pounds or 150 like i do right or like for a couple of drink tokens she definitely doesn't play for that so it's gonna cost you some money so why not get her involved and just get her to play a longer set instead of getting her just to play two hours do you know what i mean you could probably negotiate that with an agent especially around this time maybe it's a bit of a lull before the festivals you know that kind of vibe it's probably an opportune time to kind of do that but regardless origins always put on a sick night so i'm really hyped and can't wait to flip and check it out i'm really hyped and can't wait to check it out so if you have uh, the availability definitely go and of course like i said i'll be filming some footage on my little new canon power shot and getting that shit going as it goes so i'm really looking forward to it i'm not gonna lie i'm really looking forward to it on the back of that talking about djs actually we've got a brief one i want to touch upon this is a quick health update and a get well soon um for a dj who i'm a big fan of who's part of the malajunta um collective that i was pissed that i wasn't able to go to the fucking night they had at fold the other day um tickets actually sold out for that legitimately i was on ticket swap with notifications on but every time the notification popped on my phone i was doing something i was either flipping taking a shit you know washing the dishes making some dinner or just flipping you know window twitching out of my window and looking at the neighbor and shit and i kept men- missing the flipping notifications for the new um for the resale tickets and i missed it um and i couldn't go but um hyperactivist also i guess couldn't go because um she became ill and um yeah man this is pretty bleak because this is another reminder as again that level you know as much as i want to reach that level and i definitely eventually will where i'm basically being paid to play in some of the cooler clubs around the world and stuff it also comes at a cost when you're kind of pushing yourself to that kind of level, playing in all these different places, flying all around the place, you know, sometimes you're playing a set and then you're flying out right away. The first flight after the set's finished or getting a private jet out afterwards, no sleep, straight to the, straight to the venue, playing again, going somewhere else, blah, blah, blah. Everybody kind of trying to suck your energy, the DMs for guest list. It can get flipping exhausting. So it's no surprise that sometimes I feel like a lot of DJs run into this sort of like health issues 
obviously a lot of it can be to do with like the extracurricular adult goodies that you kind of you know indulge in but outside of the usual kind of stuff that we know about i think sometimes the pressures of that kind of industry of that job in general it can definitely have a physiological reaction it can definitely do something to your insides where you're like mm. you know sometimes when you're stressed out i know sometimes with me if i'm stressed out or whatever maybe i start like nervously start twitching and pulling my hair or i start getting to weird spots in places and i'm sure sometimes if mixed with all the alcohol whether drugs and the flying and the changing of locations and the you know never being in one place blah blah blah, blah living at a hotel it can definitely have a physiological effect on you there are some freaks out there who just are able to just go to the gigs with like a soldier hip hop hip hop dj dj without anything happening to them right but most people are flipping human and sometimes when you're human you know your body can kind of you know tell you hey stop relax put your feet up it's like natasha ski said stress will kill you for sure it definitely will and i think your body has a way to kind of force you to stop in the same way sometimes that you can stay up for ages but then sometimes your body just say nope you're going to sleep now but we need to we need to rest and i think the same thing happens with illnesses and whatnot so get well soon to hyperactivist but she posted this instagram story a couple of days ago i think i took a screenshot of it but it says hello babes wanting to let you know why i've been offline and missing some gigs lately because she didn't play the the fold event either um that happened last week and the post is as follows since around a month and a half started um to have strong pains in my abdomen and f sorry and first i had thought it was problems with my heartburn and acidity loads of rest will slowly start to help twice i thought i was doing better and went on to play gigs just to find myself with double the pain and recovery would be much slower i visited two hospitals three different doctors and paid for a private specialist trying to understand what was going on and navigating the complex german health system no doctor could explain what i had bumba this sounds a lot like the flipping nhs um this week came in emergency at the hospital with the strongest pain i ever felt the doctors finally took me serious and made all the necessary exams to discover my appendix it's been slowly breaking during this time and while it happened liquid had been spilling around my abdomen so it was already quite infected can you imagine how painful that must have felt and how scary that must have felt to flipping know that. Um, they had to do an emergency operation to take the pieces of the appendix out to disinfect the area. Jesus. Currently, I'm in recovery, which means very sadly, I'll be missing a couple of more shows, but I'm getting stronger every day. And very, very soon, we'll be back to all of you. And to my dearest and my most beloved lover, the music, sending kisses, miss you already. And damn, and again, that, that just goes to show, like, you know, be careful what you wish for when it comes to, you know, a, a career in the arts, because what happens i think for the most part is that you love it it's not a hobby it's not sorry it's not a job it's a hobby that you be, it then becomes a profession that then becomes something that you get paid for but you still love it so sometimes you can push yourself way more with doing something that you love be something that you're just doing for the check just do something to pay the bills so you can end up kind of taking your body your mind whatever it may be for granted and going too far but luckily sometimes the body can remind you hey you need to rest you need to relax you need to get this looked at and sometimes it can end really badly and really tragically so i'm glad to hear that it didn't end tragically and the hyperactivist is back on the mend and i think the last time i had any communication with hyperactivist she did say she was getting way way better and i think the last time i did check on instagram i did see some posts that said yeah she was on the mend and currently at home i think if i'm not mistaken so it does it is looking good but get well soon hyperactivist regardless get well soon honestly get well soon and um, what are people saying here in the chat to me and touch ski saying once toxins build up in your body poke holes in your stomach landing and digestive tract they, they can leak into your other organs and cause huge problems oh wow okay cool that sounds gnarly 
Yeah, I've had similar appendix issues, says Megan Fan. I had to have a bag attached to me to drain it. Wow. Yeah, th- that sounds painful. It, it, to me, it sounds really scary to hear that diagnosis, but I'm also certain that it definitely must hurt like hell, for sure. And I've always said, really strange thing to say, but I've always said I'd much rather have like a cut, an open wound, a breaking of the bones, than something painful happen with your organs. Like that internal pain that you can't see and that you can't touch or diagnose easily, it just drives me crazy in my head and kind of gets you thinking all sorts of thoughts. But when you cut your arm, when you break your arm, when you sprain something, I don't know, it's kind of you know it's kind of easy to kind of um deal with it in your brain somewhat but any sort of internal organ issue type of thing like it sends your body to a loop especially if you especially if you're one of those people that loves to check stuff on webmd and stuff like i used to like it just becomes crazy so yeah definitely not on that one next i want to mention this one this is quickly a post as well another one to say get well soon i just learned this recently having listened to this podcast featuring tremaine emery who is now the creative director of supreme and also has his own brand called denim tears and um was a close friend of virgil's back in the day r.i.p the goat and he sat down with his podcast called started from the bottom with uh justin richmond and he actually spoke about his um health issues which i wasn't familiar with because again i've not really been on you know ig that much anymore um i've done really follow the guy on social media so i don't really know too tough but from the last time that i checked um the, the last time i watched a lecture of tremaine emery i think he gave at the harvard um school of design the same place that virgil did that iconic um lecture where he had the flipping nike 10 collaboration shoes and he was signing everybody's flipping shoes and whatnot and just give the, the best flipping you know the best speech ever in terms of design and his practice and his inspirations whatnot and where he's at in life um he did Tremaine Emery did Tremaine Emery, so he did did the same lecture at the same place, I think, if I'm not mistaken. And he spoke about, you know, his journey and what he did, whatnot, and how he can how he came up. And I, and don't get me wrong, the footage is horrible. Somebody recorded it, I guess on their phone, screen recorded it and then uploaded it somewhere and it just looked horrible and the sound is terrible. I had to bump up the sound on a clip I'm gonna play later. But I did remember having seen the the video, just a small bit of it, and he's sitting down kind of giving a lecture. I was like, Oh, he looks really skinny. He lost a lot of weight, but then his legs looked really skinny. And I was like, oh, I'm not too sure. You know, and these days, especially after the whole thing that happened with, um, I forgot his name, but the guy from uh, Black Panther, sorry, I forgot the actor, RIP to you, um, no respect intended. But after that whole occasion, I think myself and I guess everybody on the internet kind of learned a lesson about, you know, being kind of kind to people and not always running to conclusions and whatever it may be. And the incident fall, I thought, I was like, oh shit, I hope he's okay. You know, if it's, if it's weight loss, normal, you know, the conventional way to get healthy, fair enough. But if it's anything to do with like health issues that have made him get so skinny, it was quite concerning because, you know, that Tremaine guy is a big dude. Um, I think six foot plus, whatever it may be, kind of like, you know, he carries himself well. So to see him kind of that thin when he was giving um, the lecture, it was kind of disconcerting, especially when you think about Virgil and how that ended and whatnot. RIP to him. And he actually gave an update, courtesy of this podcast, talking about his health health issues. And um, yeah, man, it, it, he, like he had legit health issues. So that might explain why he, he looks so skinny on the Harvard um, school thing that he kind of given. And maybe why I haven't also seen many style pictures of him outside and about, I guess he's been recovering at home and stuff and doing what it needs to be done but it's still kind of credit to him because you still see kind of collections of denim tears dropping collaborations supreme stuff is still popping so yeah i mean this guy has probably been working from his hospital bed which is pretty wild but this is a clip i'm going to play um from the latest episode of Slide from the bottom podcast i'm going to put it up here on the screen so you can see it it's this podcast here definitely check it out and i think it's the first four minutes or so let's play the clip and see what they say boom 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 it goes playing now. Bear with me a second as it comes up. 
Are you playing? Hey everyone, yeah, get ready to uh, speak up the adverts. Focusing on and looking back at the paths to support. Come on, no adverts. Listen, wherever no adverts. Over Come the on. years, this when 2018 became artistic director yeah, of Louis Beyond the actual street, Vuitton, and what, which interviewing him with a like the loss of his best friend. Here we go. And um, I'm recovering. Yeah, What's your day to day like these days, man? Just chilling. Um. I'm recovering, so I had a, uh, I had an aneurysm, I had a lower aortic aneurysm, and um, I'm recovering. You know, eight out of ten people pass from having it, so I was fortunate enough to survive it. Went in the hospital in October, and um, end of December, right before New Year's, got out. So, been spending most of my time recovering, um, doing physical therapy. Because the aneurysm, the lower aortic aneurysm really, it messed up my legs. So I'm just building up muscle in my legs and waiting on some nerves to wake up. So, yeah. But my health is great. I'm actually healthier than probably I've been in a long time. Um, I had a lot of, had and have a lot of support from people in my life. And yeah, I'm good. I mean, I imagine this sort of slowdown, like this sort of taking, you know, sort of recovery time is probably the first time in a while that you've really slowed down, right? Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. It's been interesting because it's like, also since I'm, I'm in New York, so I hadn't lived in New York in 13 years. Um, I've been on, you know, was living in London since 2010 for seven years. And then moved to L.A. and then moved to New York in 2022, February. And my first day at Supreme was on Valentine's Day, February 14th. It's been the first time I've just been, like, not on an airplane every week or, like, on a train, you know, trains, planes, automobiles, yeah. you know. So it's been good. A lot of it, part of it was just, like, my, when I was in the hospital, my focus was just getting out of the hospital surviving, doing what I could to um, listen to the doctors. And it's interesting when you get that sick, when you're like on the verge of death, which was like a couple of times whilst I was in the hospital. It's, you know, willpower definitely, you got to want to be here. That plays a part of it. So I want I wanted, I wanted to be here. Um, so not just being grateful for surviving, because in the end, we all die. So you survive something, but it's only extending, you know? So yeah. my, it's my focus has been on the five W's. So um, who, what, when, where, why, you know? And it's like, well, why, you know, why and what do I want to do? Yeah. But again, before I, I got sick, I always kind of lived my life like that because that's how my parents raised me. So this life is finite. So we got to have fun. We got to be good to each other. We got to love each other. We got to have fun. My dad's yeah. like, have fun, you know, and do the things you want to do. So I always, I always been on that wave. I didn't, I got maybe perspective on far as things as like myself having a family. I don't have one yet. I don't have any kids and stuff on that. More even, but even that, I had that perspective of wanting that and wanting to find the right person to to build a family with. But far as like living it to the limit, I did that already, you know. Yeah. Maybe too maybe to my detriment. <laughs> maybe too much. Maybe yeah, too much. You know? I mean, just even thinking too, like. So yeah, big up Tremaine. Um, it sounds like he's on the mend and on the other side of things. But damn, man, an aneurysm. 
especially it's by the sounds of it it sounds like it happened around the same time that Virgil passed so you can only imagine how scary that must have felt um you know on the back of one of his best friends and close collaborators passing away um in such tragic circumstances and then suddenly you're having a health you know scare as well um it could be super super scary but um I did like what he said about hospitals and wanting to get out of the hospital too was just the first thing on his list not anything crazy not running a marathon not changing your lifestyle your eating habits and whatnot just getting out of the hospital and surviving and I think I had a similar feeling when I had to go hospital for um an issue I had with my um with my throat I had these really inflamed kind of glands in my throat that and making me unable to swallow and I couldn't spit I couldn't even spit properly it was hurting that much everything was hurting I couldn't drink water it was absolutely like awful and I remember like suffering and being in cold sweats and having a fever at home but then as soon as I got to the hospital you feel a real level of flipping ease and you feel somewhat chilled because you you know that you're going to get the help that you need but then once you get the help that you need you also start getting worried and scared that you're going to have to spend longer in here than you need to because you look around you and i think that for the first thing that happens especially with me it kind of humbles you and kind of um reminds you that you don't really have it as bad as other people because when you're at home and you're going crazy and you're in this loop and you're in a fever and you have this ailment and you're not sure it's going to get any better you just want you just want yourself to get better you just want everything to be centered around you someone has to make me feel good for me feel good then you suddenly go to hospital and you see some little kid with their head split open you see a guy with his foot that looks like he's hanging off you see another woman with something hanging off their face and you're like rah these people are like suffering way more than i am and here I am complaining about all my issues, but that isn't that, you know, that deep of a problem. I kind of need to put my issues into perspective and kind of, you know, kind of um, see it from other people's point of view and know that, you know, sooner rather than later, I'll be, I'll be good after a while. But there's no doubting that you go in hospitals and you, see, and you also see people on the other side of things where you can see them and they look like they touch and go. You can just see it in people's eyes and it's something that you can't describe probably. It's something that you can't probably really kind of reenact, but we can all recognize it in people, in just their demeanor, in their eyes, in the color of their skin. You can just tell somebody's like on the brink of leaving us and it can get really scary and can kind of make you feel really frightened and stuff. But I think it's good to see that sometimes from time to time to remind you of just how temporary and kind of finite life is and to, like Tremaine said to kind of live it um, as best as you can to definitely definitely live it as best as you can and take your health seriously as somebody else mentioned in the chat um, health definitely is wealth ridiculously health definitely is wealth and for sure with these guys more so with these cool dudes and these guys who are like at the peak and the kind of antithesis of culture and streetwear and stuff and I've been around that scene a lot and I know how people are clout demons and they want to get next to you because you're the cool guy I can only imagine how much or how weird it's got for Tremaine over the years especially now since Virgil's passed like with the whole supreme job and how Denim Tears has popped off you go from being this guy in the scene that's known and then suddenly you're kind of got a position and you've got clout and people are now coming to you I think I remember hearing a, a clip from um, the girl Brenda hashtag on Twitter saying the same thing I think she was on um, throwing fits and she was I think they asked her a question about I don't know, something about the industry. And she says something quite flipping and quite straight because obviously she's flipping um, uh, German and she doesn't really mince her words. And she was like, oh, I don't need to like... No, I think they're also about going out. I think Brenda Hashtag in Eclipse is something like, oh, I don't do drugs, I don't drink. So I usually go home by 10 p.m. So I miss out on the socialize, socializing part of fashion industry where all the deals are made in clubs and bars and after hours and hotel lobbies and stuff because people are always out and they're nocturnal animals. But she doesn't drink and doesn't, you know, she doesn't 
doesn't um, do drugs and stuff. So she's on um, by 10. But she said the reason that she could take that, you know, she could also be happy with it and not feel like she's missing out is because now I think recently she got named the fashion director of 032C, the iconic sort of fashion and cultural magazine out there from Berlin. Uh, big up um, York, who kind of runs that shit. I think his name York has from back in the day who used to do fantastic matter. It doesn't matter. Um, she's now the f- fashion director over there at that magazine. And she said because of that role that she's got, people now come up to her licking her ass. So it kind of changes the need to be out in these nightclubs, socializing with fashion people, because now you're the prize, quote, as to quote DJ Academics. You're the one people want. And I guess with Tremaine, it must be the same thing. But it must be a bit of a mindfuck for those guys because, you know, everyone wants to be your friend because you're the supreme director, supreme creative director, sorry. Everyone wants to be your friend because you've got this amazing brand, Denim Tears, that's doing bits and you're culturally irrelevant and you're in cool places and doing cool interviews and doing shows and blah, 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 blah. But then when you get sick is when you realize who your actual friends are. Because number one, with me personally, I'm extremely you know, I say private in that respect and I don't like telling people my business. I kind of just deal with myself on my own. I think most people that kind of listen to my content will know, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the kind of person that's going to, you know, be uh, laughing at people who decide to turn on their phone and start crying into their camera and shit. I could never be that guy. So I kind of keep myself to myself in that regard. But, but I do know when you are sick, the people that you call or that you depend on are the people that you really kind of count as your friends and your family and people that are really close to you. So I can only imagine for those guys who are infinitely, infinitely way more popular than I am, right? And clouded up and shit. Just imagine how brutal that must have been of a mindfuck of seeing the, the level of people who are hitting you up for supreme, um, you know, d- fucking discounts for supreme information for gifting for denim tears whatever they're hitting you up for and then kind of marry up to the amount of people that are hitting you up and and kind of wanting to be your supporting system for you when you're in hospital wanting to get something to eat wanting to whatever whatever it may be it's probably pales in comparison so that is definitely something that you definitely get a wake-up call when you do get ill it's sad that it has to happen when you're ill but it is nice to kind of get that information okay cool these are the people i can count on these people are here just because of my position this is a real friend this isn't a real friend this is a family member i can count all that sort of stuff is really important to know as you kind of progress through life but anyway long story short um get well soon um tremaine emery wishing you all the best and health and whatnot the culture needs you brother the culture needs you Moving on from that one, we've got a quick update courtesy of Twitter Daily. Twitter Daily update, which I am absolutely infused by because I have to be honest, this gives me a reason to get a verification tick on Twitter and not feel guilty and not feel like a lame. You know why? Look at this. Look at this update, courtesy of Twitter Daily News. Twitter has further evolved the verified prompt. So now when you go on Twitter and you click somebody's name to see if they're verified or click the tick, I mean, sorry, next to their name, now it comes up a little message that says verified account. This account is verified. Get verified. It doesn't say anything about it being a legacy, anything about you buying Twitter Blue, which you obviously did to get it, nothing of that ilk. So you don't feel lame. You don't feel like a flipping, desperate, pathetic um you know, um, social media validation wanting loser, right? No, you don't feel like that. Instead, what you feel like, you feel like a boss. You feel like a chosen one. You feel like you're important. So now I'm definitely going to get a verification tick because the shame is gone. No more do we have shame for getting a verification tick and saying you are now subscribed to Blue. No, it says this now. This account is verified, get verified. Nothing else, nothing more 
which I am really happy about. And it's a good little move because this little changing of the wording, I'm being facetious and joking around here, but I'm sure other people will definitely get it because of it. And it will just kind of, you know, be another reason why people will be like, you know what? This is a reason to get it also. Like, see, another guy, guy, yes, I'm very fine. Everybody's on it now. Everybody's doing it. Good change. This person says, I was thinking the other day that it would be like this, encourage people to get themselves verified instead of the passive learn more. Um, another one says, excited to see this will be next week. Another person says, still hoping for the hashtag and food. Another one. Da, da, da. So, and if I'm not mistaken, if you get verified, it bumps your replies up and it makes you kind of, you know, prioritize in the algorithm and you get other benefits also. Let me just read it actually. I just got it here, right? On Twitter Blue. If I click my Twitter blue, what's, what's the benefits here? I just I actually forgot. Let me quickly read them through. So blue, blue subscribers with a verified phone number will get a blue check mark. Um, if you get it monthly, let's see what monthly benefits are. The monthly benefits prioritize rankings in conversations and search. Um, you get to see approximately twice as many tweets between ads in your for you and following timelines and following timeline sorry you add a bold or italic text onto your tweets which is cool you get to post longer videos which is beneficial for me especially when i post all my club videos and shit in 1080p and all existing blue features include edit tweets which is a big one um bookmark folders and early access to new features that is absolutely incredible to be honest that's pretty decent and it's only for like what oh it's bumped up now before it's eight so they bumped up the price oh 929 9.92 a month so it's now $10 a month to get that value. To be honest, I'm not too bad. I'm not too, I'm not mad because I have to be honest, like over the last few years, especially since the pandemic, Twitter has definitely been my number one social media app that I use now um, on a somewhat daily basis. I'm not using Instagram as much anymore. Um, I hardly even use it to be fair. Um, I'm mostly I'm using my Twitter um, because I feel like you get your news instant. I like the writing and kind of sharing your thoughts aspects of it. And it just kind of, it feels like what Twitter's always been just this this kind of kind of social media verbal diarrhea of like information and videos and memes and whatnot where i feel like instagram i loved it because of the sharing pictures aspects of it but now it's turned into like a copy of like tiktok with the reels reels have become king i know people who just search on instagram on reels they don't even go on their feed they just go on the real section and just keep swiping all the way like like you would do on tiktok like an endless feed of content so that's not really what i want to use instagram for i want to see beautiful pictures but people don't do that anymore because it's not prioritized and they don't push it so twitter's definitely been my kind of substitute for it so i wouldn't mind spending the 10 pounds on twitter blue per month because i use it all the time more than any other social media but there is inherently a very lame part of it about buying a sub as a verification um i don't see anything wrong in regular people getting it all these celebrities complaining they can go jump off a bridge to be honest and it clearly shows their disdain for the general public in overall i think most of these guys and girls would rather you know remain on this heightened elevated you know plinth whatever like, a, like they're a member of the royal family they don't actually want their fans to be on the same level of them they kind of like being above them so the fact that they can get verification tick kind of annoys them in that regard um but just from a purely um you know as a utility for me and what i'm doing it's definitely something that i probably should be looking into so uh big up them and twitter for kind of and you know putting that flipping update in the you know basically cleaning up the verification um, wording there and there's also some updates overall about the twitter and what they've been adding overall in terms of features which is pretty extensive to be fair here i'll read it again courtesy of twitter daily news big up them that account is absolutely amazing it says the big updates from twitter team today here's a thread of all the updates um so far they've got highlights tab there's a larger video size support 
there's a dm reply you you ui update you got new draft schedule and tweets ui and tweets boosting and inline media for long tweets as you scroll down you've got option to highlight a tweet which is pretty sick so you can put all your kind of best of threads and stuff on there i think some people do that they'll have like their best of threads bookmarked and then maybe or they'll have it pinned sometimes and they'll just keep replying to the pinned tweet with their threads that they kind of are, are famous for maybe stories maybe exposés whatever it's pretty cool to kind of check out this all reminds me of like a old blogger back in the day if you guys remember that big up my stop begging blog that was flipping legendary but i kind of like that highlights tab that's pretty sick option there there's a larger video size um for up to two hours up to eight gigabytes of size so that means people can be direct legitimately creating native content for twitter and uh, video and uploading it on there so i'm probably gonna end up giving that a go instead of just posting clips i'm already making that's gonna be sick there's a new message reply ui here um i'm not oh okay cool this is kind of you can reply to an actual message which you can't do now to Twitter DMs. You just have to reply like in a text, but you can actually click on the message and reply it, similar to like WhatsApp. There's a option to schedule messages and draft them as well there. You've got a boost option for, for your tweet. You can, you can pay for to get more reach. Um, you've got an inline media option, which is pretty neat. I like that, to be honest. And that looks like a good little option there. And again, all these cool options coming very, very, very soon. So really eager to see it. Um, can't wait for it. Um, and kind of definitely do it on my account coming soon. Um, Megan Fran here in the chat says he overpaid for Twitter a lot. Yeah, for sure. He definitely overpaid. I think he confessed anyway in that interview, Elon. He finally confessed that he did overpay for it. He tried to back out of it when he realized it then he got held his, his feet got held to the fire he had to kind of follow through and then when he did follow through he kind of despite the fact that he had to buy it did all that madness you know like that he did at twitter to kind of piss off everybody and generally he's a power user right he uses it anyway day to day and a lot of people on twitter especially politically wise are opposed to him so naturally it was he was always gonna be butting heads with people it was never gonna be a kind of perfect marriage but he definitely i felt like went above and beyond to be a bit of a dick just because you know he could you know so big up him um but yeah man big up everybody in the chat big up everybody hanging in there i appreciate all you guys for checking out if you are watching or this like this podcast live um please make sure that you smash the like button for me if you like that that'd be great if you're listening to the podcast on you know on all the audio platforms like spotify apple Podcasts, and all the other places where podcasts are available just share the podcast for me that'd be greatly appreciated or if you can do another thing and leave me a review that would also be greatly appreciated you can leave reviews on spotify and apple podcast that would also be helpful really really hoping that you guys can do that if you have the time if you have the time brandon says how is elon a genius an amazing businessman yes but genius no no um he's definitely smart i think people out there that are trying to say elon musk isn't smart are really being facetious is he like the guy responsible for making the flipping um you know the rockets for spacex no is he responsible for legitimately drawing the cars that are manufactured over at tesla or even putting the cars together of course not but i think for the longest time in in tech and in general there was always this um need to kind of purport to be the guy that was actually making the stuff like similar with steve jobs only after he died i felt like people were more understanding of the role that he played at apple and that if he was kind of like the leader in terms of kind of you know he was basically the he was kind of the person at the front of the flipping you know orchestra but it wasn't as if he was playing every instrument that's obviously wasn't the case but i feel like a lot of these guys lean into the idea that hey you know we are the fucking guy that's designing all the stuff and he doesn't do that he's definitely someone that delegates well he definitely has ideas on certain things but he's not designing and making all these things himself that's for sure but i feel like 
as per usual, I feel like these people or some people like him, he's a lot of his kind of allure and appeal was sort of like stripped when he was being really active on social media. Simple as that. Too, when you're too active on social at some points, it can sort of like take away from your mystery. It can take away from your law, from your appeal. And people just generally don't really vibe with it well. And it kind of just kind of ruins whatever mystery you have or, you know, how well you're regarded. I feel like his kind of willingness or his kind of desire to be famous and to be noticed kind of turn people off i think intin- intrinsically definitely did turn people off and they kind of decided to kind of you know try and expose them at every turn that's why when i, I always love checking out um the subreddit enough elon musk spam because those guys and girls on that subreddit are really you know um really really on a mission to try and let people know that elon musk isn't smart and isn't that guy but a lot of the posts sometimes can be a little bit you know they're going a little bit too far, but it's good to see the both sides of things because I've been a fan of Elon from the beginning, kind of. Um, you know, like I said previously before, I read that amazing unofficial autobiography by Ashley Vance. Definitely check it out. It was probably one of my first books I bought on Audible as an audio book. It's absolutely banging. And it kind of really paints this picture of a really inspirational kind of dude. And over time, that guy that I knew before when I read that book is definitely not the same guy nowadays. I think fame has definitely corrupted him the same way that it broke the brain of someone like a jordan peterson and just you know these guys in general in their middle age when they become like famous and stuff it can definitely do something to your brain and i think um, he's never really clearly recovered from it but to say that elon musk isn't smart is a real insult to be honest because we know he is especially considering most of us are not doing as many jobs as he has right he's got a million companies under his flipping you know purview he's not running them all day to day don't get me wrong but he's heavily involved in twitter especially now to getting it back on its feet he's definitely heavily involved in spacex and definitely heavily involved in tesla all the other things in terms of the boring company maybe you can kind of you know ring him on that the flipping delivery of the cybertruck still hasn't been done yet um tesla's got a lot of issues in terms of the cars in terms of the quality control the batteries and where they're mined from blah 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 his personal life is also something a little bit suspect whatever but the guy definitely isn't dumb let's not say that let's not go that far but you know i'm not here to defend the guy he's perfectly fine moving on from that one we've got this information this is pretty wild and out of the blue and flipping random and again we take this with a pinch of salt because this comes from the account hollywood unlocked which is run by jason lee and jason lee was you know he kind of ruined his reputation online when he tried to preemptively say queen elizabeth died before she actually died i think it was maybe six months or to a year before she actually passed away r.i.p queen lizzie but you know he's got poor track record but according to hollywood unlocked according to hollywood unlocked chris brown and usher got into a fight that resulted in chris brown and his friends jumping usher at a skate party this is flipping hilarious so they went to some sort of roller rink and if i'm not mistaken the guy who used to be a, who's who's the guy again um oh what's his name is it beats by dre or is it beats beats by dre beats by dre owners i forgot the guy's name is record executive um is it leo cohen or something i forgot his name yeah this guy whoever this old dude is this old dude yeah G- sorry jimmy iveen jimmy iveen's wife I, I only know this because of flipping reading news. Honestly, I have too much information. I, I retain so much useless information. It's ridiculous. I was going to say too much, but I say useless information. Jimmy Iovine's wife, if I'm not mistaken, is a founder. That's it. His wife is Liberty Ross. This woman called Liberty Ross. She's a founder in some skate rink business. And they've got one they launched here in, in England. It's like a, it's like a, this arena thing that she does. 
where is it? It's, called, it's some skate thing, right? It's some thing where you go and skate, uh, roller skating, and they play cool music and shit. What's it called? Uh, it's like a yeah, it's called, I guess it's called Flipper Roller. That's it, Flipper's Roller Palace, right? This shit. She's got one of this, these things in London. And for some reason, I guess Usher is maybe a brand ambassador. So I've seen videos of Usher skating around in this roller disco, um, you know, doing what Usher does because he's an amazing dancer. He wears amazing clothes. He's a fan of Rick Owens, one of my favorite brands. He's always flipping, flexing in this shit. So it wouldn't surprise me if this beating took place at one of these establishments, right? This place is called Flippers Roller Boogie. And it's um the wife of Jimmy Iovine, she owns and runs this business, which is pretty sick. I'm not just sure if Jimmy Iovine gave her the money from the Beats by Dre sale and kind of let her kind of invest in this or if this is something she just invested in that was already done I'm not too sure but it's a really popular thing here in London that people do there's all there's all these kids in my area that are like skating down the street and stuff like in there and going to you know dance and shopping malls after it's closed to me I think it's incredibly G-A-Y because like, I'm obviously from the land of skateboarding and we always kind of look down on people who roller skate especially inline skating especially when it comes to roller skating dancing and all this sort of naff nonsense but it is quite nice to see all these kids going outside and kind of you know getting you know essentially breathing some fresh air meeting new people dancing having fun losing some weight in the process keeping their heart rate up it's amazing but it wouldn't surprise me if that beating legitimately took place legitimately took place at that roller disco but this is hilarious right so this courtesy of hollywood unlocked chris brown and crew allegedly jumped um usher during a skate party in vegas it is so random man 2023 always full of the random news the caption says as follows um kisia gale um get into this I guess the person I wrote this has said, what is supposed to be a fun day celebrating Chris Brown's 34th birthday, which also happened to fall on Cinco de Mayo. So what, what, what a flipping celebration. Not only is it flipping Chris Brown's birthday, it's also Cinco de Mayo, right? The flipping Coke must have been, I mean, flying all over the place over there. All the ground must have been covered in fucking what looked like caster sugar, but it's actually yayo. It must have been flipping crazy. Big up all my Mexican mandem out there. Um, which also happened to fall on Cinco de Mayo turned out to be a night of chaos. The celebrity field birthday celebration for Breezy went down at Skate Rock City, Las Vegas. Ah, oh, damn, it wasn't the same thing. But anyway, similar sort of thing. Usher was one of the, Usher was the one who put up the surprise party for Chris and even hosted the event. So Usher and Chris Brown are cool, which I've known for a while because everybody was trying to pit them against each other for that fucking, um, uh, for the versus thing. So they're obviously very cool and very, you know, cordial to the point where Usher would host and put together a roller disco themed party for Chris Brown's 44th birthday. And he ended up getting jumped for it. <laughs> imagine hosting and organizing a birthday party for your friend sometimes it can happen i know because i don't have many friends but speaking to other people that do have friends they will tell me sometimes the heartbreaking thing where you organize a birthday dinner for your friends and they turn up late to their own birthday dinner it kind of crushes you it makes you feel horrible right you feel like a little you feel like a dickhead because you went to all that ex- ex- help went to all that work you come there early you set up all the decorations and the person you're putting the event on for turns up late it's like come on man do me a favor anyway um it says here while the birthday party started out pretty smooth a close source shared that it all went down the hill a few hours later it was said that chris brown reportedly disrespectful with the singer and actress tiana taylor for an unknown reason the source explained that chris brown was noticeably intoxicated probably also high big up chris brown my fellow yak enthusiast when he eventually when he initially approached her um tiana taylor a few guests and even usher tried to intervene probably going to chris 
Chris, hey, Chris, chill out a little bit. Chris probably then snapped, started like, what, 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 nigga, what, nigga, what, nigga, on Crip, nigga, on Blood, nigga, on Pyru, nigga, uh, on Pyru. He did do all that shit. Um, however, at some point during all the commotion, Chris Brown allegedly called Usher a coward, probably a pussy, not coward, and left the venue. The drama spilled over outside and onto Chris Brown's bus as Usher followed behind to talk to the Run It star. So Usher is still on his namaste, you know, let's be all be friends, probably with his flipping crystals and his whatever, that smoke shit in his hand, trying to be nice, trying to be cool. And then Chris Brown turned around. What up, nigga? On Paru. You took me again, nigga. On blood, on blood, on whack, on Farnham, on Farnham, on, on Paru, on Paru, stand on business, on Paru, on blood, on blood, on blood. And then Usher was like, hey, man. Come on, I come in peace, Namaste. On Paru, nigga. You can't listen to me, nigga, again. And I'll knock you out. I'll suck you out, nigga. I'll suck you out. And she was like, oh, okay, 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 okay. That's what I think happened. The insider, yeah. <laughs> and then shockingly, shockingly, that's when things went completely left. <gasps> With Chris Brownlee's crew allegedly jumping and legendary R&B singer. So they were jumping. And we like, yeah, to the floor. We think you can run it, run it. They're probably doing that run it dancing on, the, on his head. Run it dancing all over his head, right? <laughs> the other went on to say the alleged beatdown was so bad they left Usher with a bloodied nose. Oh no, a bloody nose. That reminds me of one of my legendary fights in school. I'm fighting this kid in school. I must have been like 15 or something. I'm beating up this kid for whatever non-specific reason. He may have called me a nignog. I may have called him a cracker. Who knows what, what happened, right? Something happened. We're fighting. We're fighting. I'm winning the fight. And then I'm about to put him down. And as I'm about to put him down with one more punch, he kind of like puts his hand up in here like that to kind of push me back. But then it pushes my my nose back into my face and at that time i used to get loads of nosebleeds because it was hot right i'd get loads of nosebleeds like a flipping you know like one of those p-u-s-s-y's and then um he pushed my his hand into my nose and my nose started bleeding so but then at that same moment my nose started bleeding and i punched him on the floor all my friends came out and they saw me with my nose bleeding and this kid doing this and it looked like i got fucked up so my friends used to tease me all the time because all they saw when they came out was my nose bloodied. They didn't see all the times that I was smashing this guy up in school, right? Smashing him, right? Giving him the beats. But he palmed my face, pushed my nose back into my face. And because the sun was beating down my head, my nose was already clogged up and it just started pouring with blood. It wasn't like he broke it or anything. It's just the blood was already there and he kind of, un he kind of opened the tap. And I was like, oh man oh man i swear i was I, I i promise you i was winning i promise you man i was winning man it was 10 7 i was i was winning i was i swear i was winning and then bam one palm to the face blood comes out so i know how how destructive a bloody nose is a bloody nose is like a black eye if you get a black eye or bloody nose you've definitely lost yeah, exactly um seven days and same thing if you it doesn't matter what what you do if your blood comes out of your nose you've lost so i lost that one i take down the l i was like damn i was winning I was winning, man. I swear I was winning. So yeah, big up Usher for going through the same thing. Anyway, bloody nose. Now, neither of the guys nor Taylor have spoken out to deny or clarify this report. So they kept it hush hush. Chris Brown appeared to be in good spirits earlier today and seemed ready to turn up and share that he read, I'd get, I get it be I, I better get Cinco the fuck tonight. That's a, such a basic bitch thing to say in it. The Chris Brown uses as a caption. I better get Cinco the fuck tonight. Ugh, weird anyway um big up chris brown and usher 
one of the most random fights I've ever heard in my entire life. I'm hoping it's not true because I hate to see, you know, black on black violence. But it kind of is what it is, isn't it? It is what it is. That's what happens when you go to a roller skate disco type thing, man. They're fucking lame. Go and get a real hobby. Pick up a skateboard. Learn something hard. You know, take up BMXing or something. But riding around like you're in Studio 54 and doing the splits and fucking shuffling and all this sort of naff dancing is lame. Allow it. Stop it, please. Go and bowl or something or throw darts. But enough of the roller disco. I fucking hate it. I can't lie. Anyway. <laughs> what are you guys saying in the chat here? Exactly. Oh, honestly, man, I feel I feel bad for them. I feel bad, but hey, here's what it is. Moving on, we got this. I went to quickly mention this really interesting post, courtesy of a account called Tsunami Music or Tsunami, and this other and her I guess burner account or her other account called Soph, and she posted this on Twitter, right, which I think was really, really cool, I love a good um, self-referencing tweet, so I guess this is her main account, Tsunami Music, and she posted this video, which is, says the caption, it's okay to have a day job to support your dream job, right, and the video is as follows, I feel like Hannah Montana, because how am I a hair salon, okay, keep skipping, that's nice, Receptions. And also, anyway, anyway, the video is flipping, skipping all over the place, but essentially, it's a video that she posts where she's um, taking a video of herself while she's at her job being a receptionist at a hairstyle on. And the caption is like, Oh, I feel like Hannah Montana. How am I a receptionist at a salon? And then suddenly, here I am playing at EDC, right? Um, uh, one of the fucking biggest EDM sort of like, you know, festival events they have over there in the States. And then she quote tweeted it and said, the comments on this shit is like goals. Quotation girl boss. I am not a girl boss. I'm a victim of capitalism. I'm drowning. And it's a cry for help. LMAO. And I kind of feel this because for whatever reason, I don't know what this is, why this is the reason. It kind of makes me think a little bit of um, com- stand up comedy. For some reason, stand-up comedy, I think I heard it from someone. I wish I remember who, who I heard it from. But I think I remember hearing from someone in stand-up comedy that is very frowned upon to do, con- to do bits on stage that talk about you having a job. You're meant to never do that. Allegedly, that's what I've heard. You're not meant to be like, oh my God, isn't it flipping annoying when some guy at work asks you how your weekend is? Like, bitch, you know how my weekend is? The same as it was last week. You know that kind of shit. Like, you can't do that. You can't remind people that they that they have a job or that you have a job you kind of have to kind of take them away from their reality or give the illusion that you are living this kind of um you know this artistic kind of lifestyle whatever it may be i don't know i remember hearing it and i thought that was our word our word redacted right i was gonna say the word but i didn't it's capital our word redacted i definitely thought that because i feel like you know some people especially if you're on the come up you just you need to work a job to make your way right that's just what it is and sometimes not all of us can be professional and, and do those things day to day you have to kind of have to work a day job and then go do your hobby or your passion project on the evenings you know that's the message of like gary v's kind of you know message of like you know working nine to five and then working on your dream seven to twelve sort of thing that should be fine no no problem with that i definitely agree with that but some people have that kind of idea but i think that especially in the dj side of things 
I DJ myself. I've put on nights myself. I've organized parties. Um, I've been involved in the scene for a long time. I don't produce or make music, so that's what, you know maybe he's going to hurt my chances of making it as a DJ. But I'm still you know pursuing that. And after the stream, actually, I'll be going to Flipping Pirate Studio. Fingers crossed, and recording a Flipping DJ stream there if, if they've got space for me. But in general, you know, I'm pursuing my kind of career side. One of my side career in gigs that I want to do in DJing, and I know how hard it is to get gigs out there. I know, you know, having kind of done it myself actively. And I know for the most part, a lot of DJs out there aren't professional because it's just not enough clubs for the amount of DJs that are out there because it's one of the easiest profession in, in music to kind of, you know, to kind of do because the barrier of entry is so low and it doesn't really take much skill, really. It doesn't take much money to kind of get started. Anyone can kind of do it, especially if you've got a taste, good taste in music, learn how to beat match. And sometimes you don't even learn, you don't even need to learn that. Just have good taste and have a good appreciation of maybe, you know, um, sequencing and what shit and whatever it may be. And then you're kind of set. And I know that most people out there aren't playing, you know, paid gigs. Or they aren't playing at all. They're just recording stuff at home, uploading it on SoundCloud and just hoping for the best. So I know a lot of people day to day are probably working, but no one likes us to talk about it. No one talks about their day job. They always kind of pretend they don't have one or they just kind of sell the dream that they are working professionally. And I never understood that because if anything, it's probably more beneficial for people coming up like myself or other people or even just the audience just to know that, you know, you have a life outside the flipping dance music even though you want your whole life to be dance music for the moment you're working a regular nine to five you're either delivering on uber or wherever you're either working in the office somewhere you're working retail you're doing a day job you're definitely doing one so why not say it it doesn't take away from you and what you are but there is a weird sign of like shame and and kind of um hesitancy to kind of own up to the fact that you may have a flipping nine to five which I never understood. And I think this girl's tweet kind of exemplifies that and her other tweets kind of speak about it also. Um, let me kind of uh, pick up on some of her other tweets that she mentioned here. I think I may have it. Let me just scroll down. Not that one. I think it's on. Is it this one? Yeah, no, I think it's on here. If I scroll down, I think she mentioned a few more bits on here that I want to quickly read out and then we can move on. Hopefully it loads. Come on, computer. Don't die on me just now. You're working just fine a second ago. Boom, 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 boom. Come on, come on, come on. Yeah, there you go. So cool. Um, it says, yeah, I've, uh, I've rated myself. Okay, cool. This is what she's saying on the post. She's saying, muted this now. Um, thanks. At the end of the day, I love music and I'm grateful for every opportunity and I still want to chase my dreams. I hope for success for us all. This is my alt account. Please follow my other account. And um, I think she has some other ones as well. I want to kind of see if I can get up. But essentially, she's telling people that, hey, you're you're allowed to like not be happy. And, you know, that the fact that you're in a position where you kind of have to work a nine to five in order to pursue your art or your creative, you know, endeavors and stuff. And it would be better if we can live in a world where you could basically commit to your art. You could kind of pay for your way and not have to work a nine to five in order to kind of get that done. And I think that's a fairly decent and accurate thing to kind of be um, pissed off about and wanting to kind of sort out in some sort of meaningful way but i thought her tweet was kind of cool and made a lot of work there um another person here says i know it's hard capitalism sucks and it's a system it's difficult to change but chasing happiness art and what brings you joy trying to do the dream job and what you love and fight for you think makes you happy despite the struggles look below um such kind words thank you at the end of the day i do have music and i'm grateful for opportunity my fire has still hasn't died and i'm still motivated ever to chase my dreams i know day-to-day because i've done it before day-to-day can be excruciating when you know you have something else inside of you that you kind of want to do and you do it on the side and you want to pursue it and especially if you look at 
you know, there's many DJs out there that are getting paid to play in places that I feel like I can absolutely smash and I'm way better than and they're professional. But it kind of is the kind of nature of the game. You just have to kind of wait your turn and you're going to get it. It can be difficult to kind of sit there and see people doing the thing that you want and not have the opportunity to do it. But I think the the this side of things is way more fun than the top side. I think so. The struggle, weirdly enough, the having to play for 150, the drink tokens only, all that stuff definitely has its appeal. Um, what does other person says? Um, this person quoted says Sarah. Someone said from the post said every single person I know in the bigger band has to have a side hustle when they're not on tour just to survive. Bands that have millions um, of streams and world tours and work retail or factory jobs as a barrister when they are off, off uh, when they're off the bull road. Capitalism sucks. Capitalism sucks for sure, but that definitely is an issue more of the record industry. And if anything, this definitely speaks to my common complaint that I always have, where I think most of the issues that kind of pertain to this are a, a result to nowadays there being a lack of resident dj culture or the industry in around resident djs is gone because i think when 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 clubs were pushing the idea of resident djs which basically meant that you got to play at a nightclub you know on a weekly basis and most of the times even if they got a big guest on um to book to perform there you would definitely be the first option to go and play as an opener for them which meant you got to play for a bigger crowd you may have be able to get new fans you may play for new agents or whatever it may be that stuff is really important you know to kind of you know help a dj through and also to kind of you know build up people's career and obviously give people a path to kind of get from playing from their bedroom playing in pirate studios and then kind of playing in some of the big clubs and festivals around the world but nowadays that path doesn't exist at all you kind of just have to figure it out on your own whether you kind of make a tune that gets popping whether you have a mix that gets amazing you kind of go into people's inboxes and dms whether you are part of a collective whether you make your own club night those are the options you kind of have to go through but they're all kind of fraught with their issues but there is no way to go through the resident dj route which i think is the best way but it doesn't allow it which is why people have to kind of do these other things on the side but i don't think it's a bad thing personally for me i think they still have their merits on either side of the things but i think um big up her anyway um for mentioning it i think that video was super cool super sweet i wish i could play in full here but my computer is going absolutely google gaga here hopefully it does play for one moment let's see if i can get it let's see if i can get it to flip in load and play one more time here this is courtesy of tsunami music let's see if it loads for me here Bear me a second, so I'll get it up on here on another screen. Next time, I'll just end up downloading these videos so I can play them offline because it looks like my comp doesn't like playing these videos when I'm streaming because maybe the encoder can't handle it. But it says, yeah, I feel like Hannah Montana, which is quite funny. Um, let's see if it plays. It's just loading right now. Body ba ba ba. People say, what? She's giving yellow fever. Now she's cute. She's cute. I like the message behind it. Let's see. A hair salon reception. I feel like Hannah Montana. Because how am I a hair salon receptionist? And also playing EDC this month. That's it, man. That's I the, feel like that's Hannah the DJ Montana. dream, man. That's the DJ dream. That is the DJ dream. Working nine to five in order to kind of do this. That is a DJ dream. And I've been there, mate. I've been there. Rushing back. Like there was one place I worked at, which I think actually led to me probably getting fired where <laughs> i basically was playing a lot that time in my life i was playing in clubs like you know from wednesday to fucking sunday and one time i basically had to stay in a bit longer at work 
like after hours because we had some marketing push that had to be done but i also had a birthday party i had to play at like a legit one i was getting paid like 300 quid to play out some shit right it was kind of a lot of money then and still a lot of money now so i had to leave i had to literally leave at like 5 30 to get to get to the place because i changed the toilet everything i brought all my gear with me but i had to kind of go straight there because i was going to be late and i couldn't stay for this like you know meeting that we had to do after hours then i left and i knew when i left i was like most likely this is going to be one of those things they're going to put on my you know error thing on my bad things on my list of column when they eventually get written up and eventually get fired and that ended up did happening one of the things but i knew it at the time i knew i was leaving when i was in the elevator holding my bag when i was saying bad security guy i knew i was like okay this is gonna be one of the last times i'm here because i decided to leave early to go and play no i decided to leave not early i left on time actually i left on time but you know how work is sometimes you know if you don't offer yourself to stay after hours especially in some industries it can be looked at as like you're not taking a job seriously and shit and people can get really kind of pissed off about it so i understood it it was annoying at the time but i kind of understood it um a little bit of a break here a little bit of a break to talk about this just to kind of mix things up again have you guys seen the footage from donald trump's um what they call it they call it uh deposition right deposition when you got deposition whatever that called i don't know the term of it basically when you go in front of lawyers and it's filmed and you have to basically you know answer the questions that the lawyers have against you um regarding the stormy daniels case and the him using campaign finances and whatnot which you eventually end up getting found innocent of i feel like you know the democrats are doing way too much trying to get him i feel like they're so desperate to get him they are pulling him up on nonsense things i think you should definitely pull him up when he's actually guilty of something really egregious but i think this whole stormy daniels thing you end up getting off it and you'll end up making him even more arrogant even more cocky right even more flipping up his own ass and shit so they're probably creating a fucking monster but this clip is legitimately 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 one of the most funniest things i've seen in my entire life this response like it just shows how fucking uh, <laughs> toxic he is in general and it just shocks me just to this day that um you know the american people vote with this guy as flipping president like he's so unpresidential it just beggars belief and fundamentally he may be a bit of a bad guy <laughs> like i like what he represents anti-establishment to to a degree kind of you know not your conventional politician to a degree but as a human being he kind of is awful i think we can all agree on that Trump as a human being isn't the greatest guy, right? He's not a great guy. Never met him at all. But this clip is legitimately hilarious. It's on Twitter now. I'm going to put it on the screen. It's loading. Um, uh, the caption says, no wonder Trump didn't want this depot played in court. It's devastating. Let's play it here. This is absolutely horrendous, man. This is him during a de deposition, right? Yeah. Thank you for correcting me in the, in the stream chat. I appreciate you. Deposition, right? Look, look, look at his responses. Look at his response. I'm gonna play it from the beginning again. Let's 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 take let's put the volume up there. Volume is up. Let's play it from the beginning um, one more time. It's like hear it, hear this. In this video, I just start kissing them. It's like a magnet. Just kiss. I don't even wait. And when you're a star, they let you do it. You can do anything. Grab them by the. <laughs> you can do anything. That's what you said, correct? Well, historically, that's true with stars. <laughs> it's true with stars that, that they can grab women by. The well, that's what it's, if you look over the last million years, I guess that's been largely true. Not always, but largely true. Unfortunately or fortunately. And you consider yourself uh, to be a star? I think you can say that, yeah. <laughs> Yo, 
this guy's advocating for grabbing women by the pussy and he's like validate yeah this just happened you know this is part of our history 100 years of grabbing women by the pussy whether they like it or not you know unfortunately or fortunately depending on what i already stand on that's like his version of like um like there's bad people on both sides like bruh <laughs> this guy is sick in the head <laughs> sick in the head unfortunately or fortunately why would it be fortunately dude come on come on donald come on bruh this guy is fucking wild but that's the thing though the thing about this which is interesting is that i believe what someone else said i forgot who had said it but someone said donald trump could probably beat Ron DeSantis while he's in jail. That's how that's how popular he is amongst certain people who are Republicans. He could legitimately beat Ron DeSantis from prison or, or or out on bail. Or even with this hanging over his head. It's not gonna affect his how he looks to people who are fans of his at all, in the slightest. He's legitimately Teflon Don. Teflon Don legitimately. <laughs> and the Dems are going to do everything in their power to make sure that he doesn't get an opportunity to run a second time because if he runs a second time especially with all of the issues around the country and the war in Ukraine and Joe Biden himself not looking the greatest and whatnot there's going to be a lot of people like that even some Democrats that will just vote for him just because of what's going on because he's probably going to promise pulling out of Ukraine he's going to promise better relation with North Korea and shit and all that sort of what's going to he's going to he's going to he's going to probably push What's that? What's that rhetoric in in politics? I think it's like is it called isolationism, where like you don't want to be involved in like other people's shit. Where you like because now you know America kind of the the police of the world. He's definitely going to be pushing more of that kind of like let's look after our issues, let's bring back jobs here. You probably won't do nothing about it, but he's going to sell that dream. So the Democrats are doing everything in their power to make sure that they don't let this guy run again. Because if he runs again, he's going to be a menace. Because he's sitting here with his fucking orange face like yeah you know grabbing by the pussy it is what it is what can you do you know we grab them by the pussy you know fortunately or unfortunately what can you do <laughs> absolute psychopath man absolute psychopath <laughs> but yeah look it is what it is to some extent he is being truthful because there are different rules for celebrities right like they can get away with way more um, that's why probably Me Too and counterculture are kind of, you know, the most important things to happen, you know, for for women in a, in modern culture in history. Do you know what I mean? Because it kind of exposed all of that. We all knew it was happening, but it kind of, you know, it kind of, you know, the the, the best flipping disinfectant for fucking bad shit is like sunlight. I forgot what that term is or that phrase, but something along those kind of lines. So now everyone knows what's actually going on. Um, but Jesus Christ, mate, like <laughs> at least be more presidential, at least be more gentleman, like at least come on, man but fundamentally he might just be a bad dude deep down in his core it just is what it is but what can you do um there's many bad dudes out there bad dudes on both sides <laughs> yeah um yeah exactly exactly lucky puck yeah exactly he'll stand down exactly there we go somebody that's not somebody that's not a trump fan and somebody who probably isn't even even republican if if he came out and said he's standing down from nato he's pulling all troops out of flipping ukraine no more funding for the ukraine russia war or no more funding for the proxy russian war there'll be many many american citizens that will vote for him many many especially considering the how the economy is going on and shit and people lack of jobs and whatever it may be many people will be like you know what fuck all that shit why are we getting involved that's not our business. And they'll vote for him. 
legit. So he he may have if he runs if he ends up winning the nomination, he end up he he might end up cr- he'll end up probably crushing Ron DeSantis because you know personality for personality wise you know there's no there's no kind of um no there's no way that he comes close to it but for sure for sure people regular people will definitely end up voting for him just because they don't want to be involved in a war that they kind of probably don't understand and they want to look after themselves they want to pay their bills you know gas prices are crazy grocery prices are crazy so they're probably thinking there's other things they should be worrying about day to day i understand that but I'm not going to get involved in it because I don't know anything about politics. And this is a cultural podcast. So we move on from that one. Um, look at this. King Charles has been crowned. Coronation. King Charles. Prince Charles is now King Charles. And he made the the the, the, the flipping reintroduction or debut again of the Sausage Fingers was there. Because if you believe a conspiracy, there was a picture that went viral of Prince Charles out and about. And people kind of zoomed in on his hands because his signet ring was exploding because his fingers and his hands are just absolutely inflamed and it looked like legitimately like flipping sausages. And, and then I think the royal family got wind of it. And ever since then, there's every picture of Prince Charles you've seen before he was king. He had his hands hidden. His hands were even in his pockets, whatever, but you never saw his hands. And this is best, this has kind of been the first time we've seen his hands since the first time we saw his hands where the sausage fingers. That they look, they look absolutely awful. And probably it's just old age. Maybe it's a consequence of old age. Maybe it's some sort of ailment and condition, but legitimately they look fake. Like if you saw that picture here that I've got on screen of his hand on the Bible as he's getting um, christened, the, the king or whatnot, it looks like a picture that you would describe from like AI. This looks like one of those AI generated images of how his hands look, but that's how his hands look. They look incredibly inflamed. So, you know, it is what it is. It's kind of the price you pay for all the flipping African jewels and diamonds that you stole and the people that you enslaved over the flipping history of your career and life. But these pictures of the crown look pretty sick, but it's funny the, the, the expressions. The expressions on these on their faces are really interesting. You got Charles III here, King Charles III, right, with the crown on his head. And he looks like he wants to be anywhere else but there, right? He looks really bored, tired, and glum, and down. Someone suggested, I think, oh, my friend actually suggested, oh, maybe he's still moaning the death of Queen Lizzie. I don't think that's true, um, but who knows? That could be the fact. But he looks really sad here, really sad, really glum. But look all around him. Look at the jewels. Look at that crown, right? Imagine the amount of black people that died to bring those jewels across the seas and onto his head. The amount of families that were torn apart the amount of blood that was spilled the amount of limbs that were ripped apart forget these flipping amazing gems and diamonds on this flipping crown absolutely tragic isn't it but i guess it is what it is the only thing funny about this when they'll put them on his head it looked like it didn't really fit I think they make them custom, I'd assume so. But when they were putting them on his head, it looked like it was wobbling and it wasn't fitting properly. It was a bit of a bizarre little scenario that was going on. But it does look absolutely incredible just to kind of view from the outside. The throne chair looks like it's been something that's been in the family for hundreds of years. There's people carving their names on it. The funny thing I was thinking, imagine if you could be able to carve like, you know, Aggie was here into this flipping wooden seat that he's sitting on. Absolutely crazy. And then the second picture is the funniest one. Because Prince Charles looks really sad when he gets coronated the queen, the king, sorry. But the next picture that's going to be uploading here on screen, it features Camilla Parker Bowles, who is now queen. And she looks so happy. Like, this is legitimately the greatest, you know, side chick success story of all time. This is like her version of Stifle from the Bottom, Now I'm Here. 
She went from being the side chick, the evil stepmother, the one that was partly responsible, allegedly, for the death of Princess Diana, R.I.P. the flipping queen, R.I.P. the real queen of England, you know, R.I.P. flipping Princess Diana, gone too soon. And now look where she is. She's on the throne as a legitimate queen. How crazy is that? How crazy is that? That she's on there. And she looks so happy. She looks way more happy about it than Prince Charles does. And he's a fucking king. And she looks flipping glum. That's absolutely crazy. Absolutely nuts. But weirdly enough, again, I know maybe I'm, I'm in the minority here. As much as she's an evil meanie, am I the only person that thinks Camilla looks way more attractive now, older, than she did when she was younger? I know because a lot of it was to do with the contrast. Because when we found out that Prince Charles was cheating on Princess Diana, it blew our minds back then right because prince charles looks the way he does and prince diana looks the way that she does and then you find out the person he's cheating on her with is camilla bowles and you're like huh she's ugly. she's like she, she, she looked like a grandma when she was in her 40s she looked like she's in her 60s but i feel like she's aged in reverse i feel like when she's older she now looks better i think the only thing that hurts her is her posture she kind of has that weird hunchback you know evil stepmom walk like a disney cat villain but i think visually face wise to give her credit Maybe she's been doing some, you know, South Korean facial um, regiment, whatever it may be. But she looks way better in the face, I feel like, um, like thing in the face than, um, than she did when she was younger, personally. Agent Fresh says Diana was cheating too. We don't talk about that. We don't talk about that. We don't talk about that around here, all right? We respect Princess Diana until the end. We don't talk about all that stuff. We pretend that it didn't happen. We don't talk about that. R.I.P. Dodi as well. We don't talk about all that stuff, okay? R.I.P. the Queen. <laughs> but yeah, Camilla Parker Pose is there doing her thing. Big up her. And then some more tweets here from people uh, talking about it. Oh yeah, and this is pretty crazy, right? Prince Charles, sorry, Prince Harry arrived there on his own. Uh, Meghan Markle did not want to go. No reason why. She's not pregnant or anything. If I'm not mistaken, she just stayed because I think it's the birthday of their kid or something. So she, she didn't go, clearly for obvious reasons. But the mad thing about this is that Harry went there. He basically used an airplane like it was an Uber. He literally flew from LA, went, attended the coronation, and then as soon as it was over, he flew back. He jumped in his cab, he's flipping, you know, luxury car off to an airport and boom, went back to LA to go hang out with his family. So for sure, that oral biography definitely destroyed any attempt or any possibility of him being welcomed back into royal family, like legitimately. They don't give a fuck about him. He doesn't give a fuck about them. Pretty nuts, isn't it? Like he legitimately went there for the coronation, stayed for an hour or two and then just popped out. He didn't want to stay in the slightest at all. So big up, big up big up um prince harry for standing on his shit and riding for his family i love this tweet as well that somebody posted featuring a screenshot of camilla parker bowles taken from the official um royal family website that lists her as queen looking you know dashing over there right looking like a yummy mummy yeah L looking like um oh what's that woman's name again um oh what's her name if you know you know i wish i can remember. is it kelly frost kelly something if you know you know is it Kelly Frost? Anyway, that doesn't matter. I'm not going to mention it, but if you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Big up uh, Camilla Parker Bowles there. And the quote to you is, uh, it says as follows. Honestly, feels like the end of a movie when the aliens win. You know why this made me laugh? Because this reminds me why I liked Ozark. I liked, I hated and loved Ozark on Netflix because the main family in it, um, I forgot the name of it, but they're so awful and they do so many... Eat shit 
things, evil things, but loads of people around them die. But none of their, none of the, they don't die directly. If I'm not mistaken, one of the, the wife's uh, brother dies or she has to kill him because he's going to snitch and shit. But they don't die themselves. Their two kids are okay. They don't die. They don't get their limbs cut off. Nothing. But it is a real cool reflection on the real world. The real world, bad people get away with shit all the time. This whole idea of like get back and karma, that's all Disney shit. In the real world, bad and evil people get away with shit and they sleep like babies. They sleep like absolute babies. They live a long life. You know, they don't croak and pass away somewhere in their young age. No, they live a healthy young life and they die with their family and friends around them. That's how, that's what happens in the real world, unfortunately. And this is definitely a case of it, but this is the greatest side chick story of all time. She went from being the side chick to now being the queen of fucking England. Who would have believed it, eh? Who would have believed it? She got it from the mud. <laughs> she got it from the mud. Big up Camilla. Big up Queen Camilla doing her thing, living her life. It kind of is what it kind of is. Moving off from that one, quickly want to talk about this screen cards to Streetwear News. Ian Connor's sicko has put out another collection of teas. Um, I'm quite interested in how he puts out his clothes. I don't really care too much for the designs and stuff. I like some of the sweatsuits, but overall, the designs are not really for me. But I like the idea that he puts out collections of clothes under a kind of theme and not seasonal. So usual collections in fashion or streetwear are dedicated by seasons, you know, spring, summer, autumn, winter, fall, winter, wherever it may be, pre-fall, blah, blah, blah. But for the most part, when Ian Connor's doing collections under Sicko, it's all under a theme. And to, and this time's theme is called X's Tour. For me, this merch or the, the, this clothing, this line is incredibly corny. And maybe because I'm a grown up and stuff and I'm not 19. I think if I was 19, I'd, I'd, I'd be wearing like neighborhood um, type stuff with like, you know, fuck written on the back of it. Or, w, you know, Japanese brands love to have English swear words on the back or the front of their clothing and shit. Or like I'd be wearing super crazy anime, like, you know, shirts and hoodies. But I feel like at a certain age, it kind of gets a bit naff. And I feel like walking around, with a t-shirt that says fucking all your all fucking all my ex's friends tour is a bit lame personally it doesn't really sit the best for me but you know some of it looks pretty okay i think these are baby t-shirts that have the contrasting wrangland wrangland um black sleeves with the white body and obviously the flip on there black body white sleeve the best thing out of this collection probably is the hats i think that logo sits well on the hat there's a you know nice like five panel um hats here that that sit pretty well there's an all black one and there's one with a black um you know hat and then the white rim which looks nice the white rim is an issue because if you touch your rim a lot sorry the brim of your hat too often you're gonna get loads of marks over it so it'll be a bit crazy but i do like the fact that it's all been embroidered because that's one thing i hate on these you know snapback hats it's all kind of screen printed to save cost but then over time if you wear it long enough you sweat all of that flipping print screening and shit will end up cracking and peeling away so i do like the fact that it's all been embroidered but would i be okay walking around in the street with this on probably not it kind of reminds me a lot of that drake t-shirt that he had right hard dick hard feelings or something it's a bit weird a bit odd but there's something about having like swear words um again i i curse a lot day to day don't get me wrong i'm not a prude but i think at a certain age having swear words on your clothes or having slogans on your clothes overall it just it's a bit naff of it just kind of doesn't really sit right with me but obviously somebody like a drake is definitely a fan of it because despite all the shit that happened you know recently um regarding 
Eon Connor and Ye and Drake and him posting a picture of him blocking Drake and shit. Clearly, they're still friends. And it made sense anyway because I think, you know, they've got a collaboration or, you know, friendship and shit because if I'm not mistaken, Drake has a sicko tattoo somewhere in his body also. So clearly, they are friends. Or maybe not a, not a revenge, I think, tattoo. One of them anyway. Brands associated with Ian Connor. So they're definitely friends even though, you know, Ian Connor's got his allegations against his name whatnot. That's not important. But still, I think... This type of shit suits Drake way more because that's the lifestyle he's currently on in it. And this is a picture taken from Ian Connor's Twitter that features actually Drake wearing um, one of the shirts that he's selling that says fucking all my ex's friends on tour, um, tour, whatever. And that's him kind of, you know, pictured um, wearing the T-shirt with his signature baggy jeans and the cameras, as you can recognize and shit. And it looks like Drake day to day needs glasses. So he doesn't wear them, I guess, when he's out and about. Maybe he put contacts in, but it looks like he wears glasses day to day to kind of read shit and stuff, you know. Glasses king. I kind of need a pair myself but again i can't really picture myself ever wearing this shit seriously out there and again this is meant to be a baby t-shirt you're meant to put this on your baby imagine putting this shirt on your baby it's a bit much in it personally um but design wise pretty decent looks pretty great the the, the you know the, the cut of the t-shirts are nice i think they're all kind of done um bespoke if i'm not sure i think they're done by that guy who used to run american apparel i've got the thing it's called i think it's called like la something now he changed the name of it but essentially he makes blanks for people and i think this is a custom shape of a t-shirt that he's got there and the text on the t-shirt what does it say here it says um fucking all fucking all my ex's friends tour vip only sick of life for atlanta thursday 12 15th it says sarah take her out to an expensive dinner and then cheap room i don't know it's a bit weird another one says monday the 12th at the bottom here um hope mrs williams is home and hey and hates her daughter as much as i do bit bit much in it bit much but you know i'm not i'm probably the only one that's probably saying that because judging by online it looks like it's probably doing pretty well in terms of sales let's click the black t-shirt and see if it's done the hat is only $50, so big up him for making the hat um, a good enough price for people to purchase. But, okay, he hasn't sold out much as any of the other things he's purchased. Never I, oh, I despise, I despise, I despise websites with music. So I'm going to mute the site when I get back on here. Let's mute that site. Yeah, I had to mute that site. I hate that. That's one thing I absolutely detest legitimately detest um this kind of reminds me of like the early 2000s you know of websites where they'll have like animations and stuff or they'll have music that you can't like turn off like there's no button here to turn off the music it just plays in the background without you playing it like i absolutely despise people playing fucking music on their websites and not giving options to even turn it off everything should be fucking on mute but anyway that's it that's the t-shirt check it out if you're interested available on bornfrompain.jp um ian connor's brand um so the sicko merch is out there the hat for me is probably the best thing i definitely would wear the hat that looks pretty cool you could definitely kind of freak that but the rest of it is probably a little bit um you know beyond me in terms of making that work but big up ian connor for putting that together big up ian connor another piece of news i quickly have to mention here which i'm absolutely distraught about i'm absolutely distraught saddened i'm absolutely no i'm saddened and what else am i i think i'm shaking yeah, I think I'm shaking. I'm saddened and I'm shaking off of this news. I really, really am. Because it looked like there was some light in the tunnel. It looked like we were going to get some good news. It looked like things were going to go up for us. Because on Sneaker Twitter, all of a sudden, the news erupted that the Tom Sachs and Nike Mars Yards, the 3.0s, were due to come out. 
right? And these shoes are legendary. I've owned a pair of the Mars Yard 1.0 and the 2.0s over my time in history. I had to unfortunately throw both of them in the bin because I legitimately wore them into the ground. I wore my Mars Yard so much that it had holes in them. It started to yellow, it started to stink up. Like I wore them everywhere to the gym, nights out. They're amazing. I actually want to get another pair now, especially now that I'm cycling often. They're going to be perfect cycling shoes to put into flipping straps and shit because they've got a nice toe box and they can kind of, you know, they're good to kind of wear in the rain and blah, 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 whatever. I love my Mars Yards. And I was really looking forward to the flipping 3.0s. Really looking forward to 3.0s because they were doing wear tests with the with the 2.5s that you see here on the screen, Mars Yards. And what they did with the Mars Yard is they gave it a ru rubberized uh, toe box, like a tip, sorry, toe. So, you know, if you're working in a, in a, in a studio or whatever it may be, and you had something heavy for on your toe, it couldn't hurt. And just in general to kind of aid in the bet wherever your movements are. And then the upper was reinforced. I think they had like a more of a drier new buck finished. They added some metal um, rings around the eyelet so it wouldn't rare tear and rip and then they added this material i forgot what the name of it i think it might be tivex or rivex i've got the name but it's a particular type of plastic mesh that's waterproof so these shoes now became you know a shoe that i could wear all season round you can wear them in the summer obviously not the best because they probably wouldn't you know perspirate the best but especially in the uk where it rains a lot especially me because i'm running around in my bike all the time this will be perfect so it's a great update because the mesh mars yards that i bought previously the 2.0s although they were great they were mesh and the water would seep through and it would go crazy but with the added benefit of them being waterproof or water resistant i was really looking forward to them especially because they were doing wear tests and they were improving them adding different soles so as long as they had this type of upper legitimately i was really happy and excited that these were coming out super happy and excited right really over the moon and i couldn't wait and this rumor happened a couple of days ago then all of a sudden nike puts in a call to flipping complex sneakers and gives them an official statement courtesy of the writer on there called brendan dude that also is a one of the hosts on their sneaker podcast and look at what nike say they kill all my hopes that's why i'm shaking nike not working with tom Sachs. no releases planned you can't get more categorical than that they said i'm good love enjoy nike said nah no thank you and i was surprised because the whole tom Sachs controversy as you know displeasing as it was to some people to hear from the in conclusion, what he got exposed for was being a bit of a pain in the ass, being a toxic boss, being very hard to work with, being a bit of a cunt. I don't think anybody that's a fan of Tom Sachs, myself included, I followed Tom Sachs for many, many years. Um, I was a fan of the 10 Bullets principles for a long time. I know about his history with Casey Neistat and Vine Neistat, history with Nike, history within the Lower East Side and that whole New York scene and Aaron Bondrop, all these things. I'm very tapped in with Tom Sachs, but even I know, looking at this man, that more likely than not, he's going to be a bit of a cunt especially working for him data i think probably meeting him will probably be a great thing but you'd imagine somebody that has a very strict design kind of principles around how to work how to dress how to walk how to talk how to speak about your art how to communicate it for sure day to day you won't be the greatest boss in the world but i didn't think that was necessary or reason enough to cancel an entire nike collaboration especially not if they're gonna be the if, if you're not gonna be able to if you produce something like this i feel like if you're if you could produce a sneaker like this like the mars yard like i've said many times the mars yard sneaker for me and i wore them all the time this especially the 1.0 and the 2.0 which i had this was the only limited edition shoe quote unquote sneaker i've had in my entire life where i got compliments from regular people 
regular people would always say, oh, I love those shoes. I love those shoes. I love those shoes. That's when I knew he created a masterpiece. This sneaker, regardless of whether or not Tom Sachs is a bit of a dickhead, will definitely go down in the sneaker hall of fame. For sure. It's a one of a lifetime kind of thing. You just hit out of the park. The colors, the bat, you know, the combination goes to what I always talk about, about the free color combo being the key to success of, you know, less than free color combos. Nothing more than that. It's kind of getting a bit crazy and going into Nike ID territory, but you've got the browns and the reds and the blacks all there balanced perfectly with the off white and the addition of this sole that he did perfectly added on there where it was purposely made to attract dirt and not be too clean and, you know, spanking the activation around it with the working out stuff and the using it and the not making it precious and putting it in a box and shit. All that stuff was incredible and legendary. I feel like if you can create a shoe like this, so iconic, you should be given the ability to be a bit of a dick at work. If you can create a shoe like this, you should be allowed to throw a moleskin at one of your assistants. If you can, if you can design a shoe like this, you should be allowed to, to draw dicks with a Sharpie over your assistants flipping, you know, um, M65 jackets because they didn't listen to what you said. If you can create a shoe like this, you should be allowed to dash a cup of coffee across the room because your assistant didn't get it right and you asked for a decaf with no milk. You should be allowed. You should be allowed to be a dick. You should be allowed to be a bit of a tyrant if you can do this. I swear to God. I'm so annoyed, man. I'm so annoyed. But I do get it from Nike's point of view, especially considering how hard they went at Kyrie Irving. Sorry. It'll be very difficult for them to chuck Kyrie out and cancel his Nike deal because he posted a screenshot of a documentary on Amazon. He said no words, nothing. He posted a screenshot of a documentary on Amazon and he lost his Nike deal. Nike didn't pull away any fucking money from Amazon. Amazon aren't going to stop trying to work with Nike. But Kyrie Irving lost his Nike deal and shoe because he posted a screenshot of a documentary on Amazon. So it was no surprise that Nike were never going to work with Tom Sachs again, especially in this era where everyone's about mental health in the workplace and feeling valued and blah, blah, blah. Bruh, you work in design. You work in fashion. These people, those industries are inherently toxic. They're full of some of the worst people to ever have worked the first of the earth. But we allow it because they're geniuses and they can make cool clothes or they can make cool activations or they're just culturally, you know, astute and got their finger on their pulse. But inherently, the design and the fashion industry are full of some of the worst people to have ever graced the earth. We all know this to be the fact. So what do you expect if you go and work for a guy who has a 10 bullet principle? He has essentially the 10 commandments of his design ethos of how you should live, of how you should approach the studio and how you should interact with the space around you. Put in your screwdrivers a certain way, having screws there, having books there, notes there, whatever. What, what did you expect? Of course, he's going to be an asshole. Of course, he's going to be a fucking asshole. He's not going to be a nice guy. Impossible going to be a nice guy. No one that looks like this by choice. Nobody that walks around with a washed out, um, you know, um, I forgot what the, it's a French jacket, right? A washed out flipping, you know, studio jacket every single day wearing the same clothing every single day is going to be a flipping cool dude. They're going to be a bit of a cunt. And if he's cool, it's a benefit. It's a bonus. But more than likely, anybody that walks around unironically with these clear flame glasses that work in design or arts or whatever, they're going to be a dickhead. Prove me wrong. Have you ever seen any person who wears glasses like this who isn't a dickhead? They're always dickheads. They always take themselves too seriously. Or those ones that don't have any, like, um, 
you know, whatever, those calls at the end of your flipping glasses, they just hang on your nose. Or they have those coloured glasses at a circle. Or they wear like a snazzy scarf. Or they roll their trousers up to expose their funky socks and shit. All those guys are dickheads. <laughs> like, it is what it is. You know? They take themselves very seriously. So usually that means they get the opportunity to have a little bit of, you know, spectrum-tism-ish when it comes to the communication with regular people. So I'm really shocked and taken aback. I'm shaking, right? I'm distraught. My dreams have been ruined and I won't be able to get the Mars Yard 3.0s when they come out. But that's really hard to go in with courtesy of Complex that talks about it because they clear this up quickly. They were in no confusion. So the, the article from Complex Sneaker says as follows. A rumor circulating this week said that Nike was moving forward with the release of the Mars Yard 3.0 sneaker collaboration with Tom Sachs. The New York artist who went from star swoosh partner to persona non grata in March when a curved report described his studio as a hostile work environment where he screamed the fruit objects at employees. Is that a big deal? Should you get your the Nike deal taken away from you because you scream and throw shit at employees from time to time? Especially if you create one of the greatest sneakers of all time. Should you really be taken, should your deal be taken away from that? Fair enough if you're ASAP Bari and you're, you know, seen slapping some girl's bare ass in a hotel and she's screaming no. That is bad for optics. You're a pest. We can't deal with you. Okay, cool. Take away issue. No problem. But should Tom Sachs and Kyrie really have their Nike deals be taken away from them? One for a screenshot and one because he runs a quote-unquote hostile work environment? It's a design studio. Name your design studio where it's all sunshine and rainbows. Any place that has fucking pillows on the floor. Any place that lets you play snooker in the flipping staff room. There's a toxic element next to it. Honestly, there's a toxic element next to it. Let's not lie. Anyway, it continues. It says, a quote from Nike. We are not working with Tom's studio at this time and have no release dates planned. That is corporate speak for thank you, but next. See you later, sayonara. And I'm so pissed off, man. Damn it. So pissed off. It continues. It says Nike has what Nike at one point was developing a third Mars Yard sneaker, which Complex first reported for in March. Sneaker blog Soul Retriever wrote this week that its shoe was set for debut in holiday 2023, while adding a caveat that the Mars Yard 3.0 may get cancelled and scrapped altogether. Nike's comment implies the latter. So either you believe these sneaker blogs, which I think is true. I feel a lot of these guys have their plugs and their connects so it was in the works it was in the works it probably went to a vote they probably had a big meeting with all the executives it was in the release calendar and they're like you know what considering all the bad pr we already have out there let's not do this they're like you know what let's just leave this for somebody else we can't be doing this because everyone's going to be looking at us like we're monsters like we're animals and we don't need this smoke so I think for PR purposes, they did it and they sacrificed one of the greatest shoe models ever and now won't be able to get it. And I'm absolutely distraught. I really am. It continues as Sachs' work with Nike, which began over a decade ago and the original Marja sneaker 2012. It feels like just yesterday when I got them. Um, has um, among the sneakerheads most coveted and critically acclaimed well received he established a partnership with Nike through his friendship with former CEO Mark Parker who is an avid art collector and a patron of Saks oh look at that eh that's a little bit of a conflict of interest eh no wonder you got the deal Mark Parker one of the people who's involved in the legendary line HTM named after um, Hiroshi's Fujiwara, Tinker Hatfield and Mark Parker where they made these really luxury, high quality Nike models usually on Air Force Ones and shit. Amazing little sub-label of Nike. If, you're, if you know, you know. Wow, I didn't know that. 
So they're friends, right? They're friends. They're close friends. You, Mark Parker's even a patron. He supports Tom Sachs' patron. Shit. Um, artist recently expanded his sneaker catalog in 2022 with Nike through the general purpose shoe, a model more widely available in limited edition Mars Yards. Sachs is poised to sell a significant amount of sneakers. The general purpose shoe had more colorways to come. So the general purpose shoe is also gone. That's that's what basically what my shoe ended up looking like, right? Um, they came after the allegations in March that he appeared on a virtual meeting. Okay, this this allegation is a bit much because I still don't think it's enough to get fired because you run the place. If I run the place and I'm coming on Zoom, I'm allowed to pop out from the shower, especially if I've got underwear on. I can do that if I own the company, surely. I'm not fucking dancing there like Brian, Brian Kelly in front of the camera, but if I want to shout some instructions and tell you guys to, you know, put a rocket up here, I'll say, come on, deliver the, the project. I want that wooden sculpture of a spaceship made ASAP, right? I'm allowed to do that sometimes in wherever I've got on just to kind of rally the troops. But this is, this is an article courtesy of um, Complex. It says this. Then came the allegation in March that he appeared at a virtual meeting with women employees from Nike wearing his underwear. <laughs> oh, okay, I got it wrong. So the problem wasn't that he was doing it in front of Tom Sachs' employees. It was that he had a meeting with Nike and he turned up on stream or on conference with his fucking boxer briefs on on Teams. That's, that's a no-go. You can't come on Slack. You can't come on Zoom. You can't come on Microsoft Teams wearing your underwear, even if you are the boss and think you're going to be cool. Someone's going to complain. Um, that he used to have space at his studio called the Rape Room. Oh, okay, cool. This, this gets a bit dicey. That now he's losing me. Now Tom Sachs is losing me. He had a, he, he had a space at his studio called the Rape Room that the wall hung first. Um, an aid kit in the office of Sachs, who is Jewish, had a swastika taped over it. He had a rape room in his studio. All right, you're gonna have to give me some context here. You got to help me out, Tom Sachs, mate. I'm I'm fighting for you here. I'm trying to fight for your your right to fucking design and scream at your employees and throw cups of coffee at them. But when it comes to rape rooms, you have to give me something to work with here. It continues. Um, it says here the quote from Nike at the time was, "We're deeply concerned by the very serious allegations. We're in contact with Tom and his studio, seeking to better understand the situation and how these issues have been addressed." This sounded like to me when Kim Kardashian tried to excuse the whole shit about um. Balenciaga and the BDSM bears. She was like, oh yeah, we're working. I'm assessing everything. We're talking over what we happened. It was like a non-comment. But it looks like they didn't want anything to do with him in the slightest and they just were kind of letting him down slowly. In the wake of the curb report, um, uh, the artist sent out a letter to his staff in March showing some contrition. Saxis scraps a rape room name as a regret uh, and a poor reference that was done away years ago. He said in the letter that he had been brought in outside help to formalize human resources. So they don't have any HR. So he's brought in HR in the letter, which was sent to Complex by a rep from his studio. Sachs pushed back on the characterization of him in the media as a tyrant who fostered an unsafe workplace. He said, and I quote, I've never tried to make anyone feel uncomfortable. I've never harassed anyone and I would never intentionally harm anyone safety is a top priority in my studio those are the facts that's hilarious isn't it how can you say you never made someone feel uncomfortable if i say you make me feel uncomfortable you make me feel uncomfortable you have to acknowledge my feelings and if you if you throw something at somebody that's putting them into harm or even saying bad words that's putting them in harm's way but he's just denying it <laughs> that's how you know he's a tyrant he doesn't acknowledge any pain that he's flipping inflicted on people I did not, I did not make people feel uncomfortable. I'd not harass. But sir, you just threw a coffee cup at this girl's face because she didn't get the milk right. Nope. That didn't happen. Okay. Um, Sachs rep declined to comment on Say's relationship with Nike, blah, 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 blah. So now we know more than likely 
that the prices of the fucking Mars yards on StockX are going to go shoop through the roof. And I'm pissed because I won't be able to get a pair. But yeah, RIP Tom Saxon Nike. I really, really wanted the 3.0s. I'd hoped there would be these 2.5 wear test models that had the flipping rubberized toe and the uh, reinforced eyelets and, uh, you know, updated materials on the mesh to make them more water resistant and shit. I really hoped it would be those because I'd wear them every day. Now I can't. So now I have to resort to buying a pair of replicas from fucking China because the resale on these shoes is crazy. It's crazy. I don't even want to check it because it's going to make me scared. But I'm going to have to go to my Shez, my Shenzhen Mandem. Pick up my rep sneakers Mandem. I'm going to have to do what I didn't want to do because Nike isn't doing away with putting away, you know, workplace harassment and putting the shoes out. So now I have to do what I need to do to get the shoes and go to China. Let's actually check these actually. Mars Yard 2.0 StockX. Let's see how much they are. They've probably gone up in price. Last time I checked, it was like £5,000. Let's see how much they are now. Oh, look at that. Just a just just a just a preview here on StockX.com, the UK site, right? The UK site in pounds, they're between three thousand three hundred and sixteen pounds to four thousand seven hundred and ninety six. Holy smokes! Holy smokes! So Nike have once again because I'm a big believer that Nike creates artificial scarcity with limited edition shoes they can make more than enough to supply demand but they like all the beef they like all the cues they probably weirdly like people getting stabbed in cues and shot and shit and robbed for their shoes because it adds to the marketing and name recognition and seo searches it's flipping dark and sad but it kind of is what it is they can make more shoes but they refuse to and they create artificial scarcity to make people go out like myself to kind of haul ourselves over, bend over and spread our ass cheeks so that we can get pummeled by fucking Nike over these shoes that we want and we want to purchase. We have money to purchase them, but they don't make it easy to purchase. And then it inadvertently creates this secondary market of reselling where people basically resell sneakers like limited edition pieces of art. Some people say it's art, it's not it's sneakers, but it pisses me off. Because look at that, the last sale of these shoes, I don't know what size it was, but the last sale was 2,809. Are you insane? Let's actually check the last sales here. 2,809. And I paid for mine, wherever the retail was. I think the retail was like 120 or something like that. I paid retail for mine. And it's going for 2,000 plus pounds. And it's even more in my size because I have a general, I have like an average general male size shoe. I'm like anywhere between like a US 11 to a US 12. And that size most men are that size even if you're a us 10 you could probably size up to a us 11 so i'm always fucked when it comes to it. look oh my god look at this the last sale in my size in us 11 was three grand three thousand oh my god that is horrendous look at that three thousand man that is kind of scary. I'm not going to lie. 3,000 was the last sale of the Mars Yard 2.0 in the US 11. 3,000 pounds. I cannot imagine paying 3,000 pounds for a pair of sneakers. It's already enough having to pay 700 for a pair of Balenciagas. I think that's the last time I paid any amount of money in that kind of way, in that kind of range, right? Balenciaga triple S's, that kind of like 500 plus kind of mark. But 3,000 for a pair of Nikes. And again, the, the, the issue about the secondary market, especially when you consider the current court case happening with fucking um, StockX and Nike, the StockX verification system is kaputs. And the level of the quality in replicas now is so high, there is no real way to tell 
if what you're buying from StockX is actually legit. The only way you know you're buying legit shoes now, honestly, this is coming from somebody that I would deem myself to be a sneakerhead and I have some knowledge of these things because I've been buying sneakers for the majority of my life. The only way you can tell, the only way you can tell a shoe is legit is if you buy it on release date. You buy it on sneak. You get, you know, you're able to get it lucky on sneakers um, app, or you're able to buy them in retail when they drop. But if you have to buy a shoe after the drop from a secondary site, there is no way you can know it's legit. No way, because the rep qualities now are so good, so good nowadays. Especially if you want to buy reps, because now there are reps where they sell them the same price as retail Jordans. But obviously, you have the ability to buy however many, however many you want, anytime you want, like fragment Jordans. Uh, black toe Jordan ones, uh, undefeated Jordans, whatever Jordan you want, right? All those limited edition shoes, Air Maxes, you can buy them reps and they're sold as retail prices, but usually the quality is super high. So there's no way to discern the fakes from the reals, especially if you wear them. If you want to have them in a box and you want to have them, maybe someone can spot the differences and it's still cool. But if you wear them day to day, there's no way anybody can tell unless you're actually a G and you actually know Wagwan and you actually got your finger on the pulse to tell. Or maybe you buy a poor quality fake because there's fakes that exist that are like 30 pounds. But man, 3,000. Now I have to go Shenzhen. Yeah, as, um, as, uh, Sleeping Buddha says, Chinese fakes it is then. I have to, go, I'm going to have to regrettably go to my Chinese mandem and get a couple more pairs because I think the Mars Yards are a perfect shoe to wear, especially for me cycling uh, most days and running around town. But £3,000. No, thank you, man. But yeah, RIP the Nike, um, Tom Sachs collaboration and relationship. It is now no more. As we now learn, courtesy of Complex, I'm sad. I'm shaking. I'm angry. I'm upset. As Brendan said, I'm mad. I'm fucking mad. And, uh, <laughs> I can't talk. <laughs> Ah, oh, I'm gutted. I'm gutted. Anyway, moving on from that one. Let's talk about this quickly. Um, this is courtesy of Taz.de, which I'm guessing is a German site. And unfortunately, I had to translate this to English because it's written in German. So I'm not too sure if it's going to be, you know, grammatically correct or it's going to make sense. But I want to talk about it anyway because it's an interesting topic. This is regarding the DJ called Mary Moxdemir, who has had a bit of a, I feel like, um, a, a, you know a meteor meteoric rise i'm sure she's been djing for years but i feel like in the last 18 months maybe two years she's kind of gone from being somewhat relatively unknown to being everywhere like and she's really good also not like she's shit she's fucking amazing but i've seen her play a couple of times now i'm opening into a place i think i saw her playing fabric once and a few other places and i really like her style really like her sound and everything and she plays vinyl for sometimes and she just got a very you know very eclectic kind of range very good groove i'd i'd, I'd say if you, if you want to categorize it in a genre which i fucking hate it's probably in the realm of techno but it can be everything far-reaching over that but i feel like she's kind of come out of nowhere but she wrote this article courtesy of taz.de that maybe kind of speaks to her kind of come up and whatever she's coming through because i'm sure as most djs will know there is no coming out of nowhere everyone's kind of been working slogging away like i have in pubs and bars for 10 plus years without no one recognizing it, and then suddenly you blow up and everyone thinks it's, it's overnight it's never overnight so this article courtesy of taz.e i think speaks about it and i want to see what she has to say and hopefully it does make some sense here i'm going to read it to you the title is between harmony and sexism and obviously for, and it obviously features mary moxamir here at the top here djing let's read the article here and again like i said it's translated from german to english so bear with me if the grammar is a bit crazy it says the electronic music scene claims to have changed. Although male DJs still dominate the lineups, the proportion of flinter DJs behind the decks is increasing. 
um, fl- i.e. flinter means um, female, lesbian, intersex, non-binary and trans. And I've only learned that because of dance music. Again, dance music and literature music and club culture have been my gateway and opening to all this sort of stuff. I think I was familiar with it anyway because I come from an arts background, you know, having flipping studied product design at Central St. Martins and stuff and been around with those things. So even though I come from a fairly rough part of town, I've been familiar with that scene of things because of the things I go out and experience in terms of club nights and stuff and just generally the kind of space that occupy i'm kind of aware of this stuff but it's only recently that i kind of was familiar with the term flinter anyway so big up all my flinter massive out there it continues everywhere it said women are now are also involved but this motto is in danger of becoming an empty praise because the scene is far from making rooms equally safe for everyone establishing safe spaces is a maxim in our scene organizers strive to create what they consider to be safer spaces for individual development and safer celebrations but how does it behave not only as a guest in a club but also as a performing artist behind the stage to what extent are structures within the club scene critically examined are the spaces really safe now this is a common conversation i've heard spoken about and the the best description i've kind of got from it has been from like the kink scene because we've got like a new kind of popping scene here in london where there's this kink sort of scene made kind of famous by the now defunct crossbreed party and a few others where essentially they're like you know um sex clubs but like in a nightclub and they've kind of become very popular here and a lot of those people in that scene have basically said safe spaces don't exist we have to kind of try our best to control the environment have people around have um you know safety awareness officers and whatever people who can kind of go to if you're feeling you know uncomfortable but the idea of creating a safe space in nightlife is just not possible because intrinsically nightlife is going to attract some unsavory characters just by its nature so it's very difficult to really really create a place that's 100 safe you can do something to help you know foster a good environment but you're still going to meet a decade or two on the dance floor maybe more it's just the nature of the beast unfortunately so it continues um to this day there's there is little or no reporting on negative experiences of female dj and the associated uncomfortable truths and not even from those who would attribute a high degree of sensitivity to dealing with sexist structures with themselves so i think she's saying that there's not a lot of people reporting negative experiences of women i'm not sure if that's true there's loads of women have come out in recent years and have taken down some very famous DJs, you know, Derek may be in the, you know, the obvious one. So I think there are a lot of women who are feeling a little bit more confident and brave to come out and share their piece, especially people who work behind the scenes who maybe get, you know, who maybe get themselves or maybe are in awful positions and situations and they want to speak out about it, but they feel a little bit intimidated because of the person, how big they are and they don't want to put their career at risk. But I feel like nowadays people are a little more comfortable doing it. That's just my feeling. I don't not sure if that's true. It continues. It says, I've been a freelance artist for about two years. So I guess her being a professional DJ and I have to work a side job. Um, and I've been regularly booked internationally as a DJ ever since. My passion for DJing began in Cologne. Five years later, I moved to Leipzig to study sociology. Since then, I've been in the electronic music scene and now working full-time as a DJ and doing around 10 or 12 gigs a month in Germany and Europe. Yon. I would love that. I would love that. That for me would be the perfect balance. I think personally, especially with the other things I have doing or I have going on that I would like to pursue, I think the perfect balance for me would be about five to eight gigs. Five to eight gigs a month for me would be perfect. And then on the side, I can continue doing the things that I'm doing because I feel like doing what these professional high-level guys are doing, like Mary Moxamia, like even the Solomons on his level, where you're paying you're playing 20 gigs a month is too crazy for me. Sometimes maybe 100, that, that's too much. But I feel like the five to eight, 
you can refresh your tunes that you're going to play. You can be freshened up to every gig. You can come at it with a good attitude. And I think you can live a life that I feel like can inform the DJs. Because I feel like a lot of these guys and girls, DJs who hit a wall creatively, a lot of it has to come from the idea that they're just always consumed with clubs. They don't live a they don't get to go to a cinema. They don't get to go for a walk. They don't go to go get to the park, go to buy some flowers, hang out with some friends and stuff that aren't part of it. I'm not really, I mean, I'm not really too sure. But anyway, it continues. After a long weekend of multiple gigs, I'm usually grateful for the experience. However, this feeling is usually mixed with anger and sadness. In my everyday life as an artist, I'm repeatedly exposed to discriminatory, sexist, and offensive acts. Wow. Okay, I want to. I'm, I'm curious to hear this because it must be weird. Because again, she's a very small white lady who I guess doesn't look like a conventional DJ to some people. So I'm guessing the the hurdles she's have to overcome. Yes, I'm a DJ. Yes, I know how to put the equipment. You don't need to help me with the cables. Yes, I'm okay with my de- my my equipment. Like it must be always exhausting. So I'm, I'm curious to hear about her experience actually having to interact with these people. Um, she says as follows: I have to put up with them. Not only in the club, but also in the way there. When I'm standing alone on a train station and sexist comments about being, about me are being shouted at me. Or when I'm in a ta- or when the taxi driver tells me how good I look and that I could also model because my figure is so slim. Okay. That's when it gets, these are the things that you only have to, you only get exposed to when women speak up because I feel like if you're a dude, there's never a time where you can, that's ever going to happen to you. No one's ever going to say, hey, nice ass to you when you're waiting for your train to go to a gig. No one's ever going to compl- compliment how flat your stomach is as you get into the flipping Uber on your way to fucking Burger. No one's going to do that. But when it comes to a woman, imagine you put on your flipping best garments, you're going to go stun, you're going to go entertain, you're being an artist, you're doing your job. And then just for doing a job and looking the way that you do, you're kind of, you know, inviting some unsavory comments. And it reminds me, of a little dillyance and little kind of tete-a-tete I had with this other DJ online where I spoke about something on a video and she got annoyed by it and just pissed me off because she tried to tell me to delete stuff, which I'm never doing. I do my content. I do it the way I want to do it. If you don't like it, turn off. But from her perspective, I remember her... No, my, my opinion on it, I think it was like this woman DJ who I was a big fan of who posted a picture of herself looking amazing and shit. And then there were some comments on the thing that were kind of a bit thirsty. I think she ripped back as a reply, something quite snarky and really funny. Like, oh, keep your first yourself. This isn't for you to kind of, you know, lick over or drool over. I'm just kind of posting a picture of myself because I felt cute. And then it reminded me of this other conversation that um, this other comedian had who's fat and stuff. And he was like, oh, he was talking about how funny it is because he, as part of his promotion, this comedian, to promote his dates, he'll post these really funny pictures of himself, like lying naked in the bathtub, covered in beans or rice or whatever it may be. And he says that how when he does that, it's never seen as sexual. It's always seen as funny because he's a fat dude. But if a woman wants to do that who's attractive, it'll be seen as sexual and people wouldn't take them seriously and they'd say they're trying to sell their body in order to sell tickets and blah, 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 blah. So if it was like an interesting conversation and I spoke about it on the podcast. I thought it was an interesting point of view or like an interesting thing to kind of talk about. But clearly that woman didn't think so, Who the, the female DJ. And she kind of saw it as like, oh, you're inviting people to comment on me and what I look like. It's like, bruh, like how you look is how you look. And it's only people on the internet that are saying words to you. If it's people in real life, fair enough, that's an issue. But people say shit on the internet all the time. If you don't like it, block, delete, limit your comments, whatever it may be. But it's not that big of a deal. But then you read this article, you're like, now I kind of get it. (laughs) You know, I kind of get where they're coming from. Because if you're day-to-day just living and existing in the world, you're getting people constantly commenting on you, catcalling, all this sort of shit. And then you're going to go play a, at a party at a rave and you feel like you're in a quasi-safe space because everyone around there gets it and gets what's going on. And then you're still getting kind of, um, what's that word called? 
you're getting fetishized and people are, you know, just looking at you for your body only and not thinking about your art and your flipping artistry and whatever it may be, it can get really exhausting. So I can kind of see that from that respect, especially for her, Mary Muxtamia, being a DJ from Germany who I guess plays all over Germany. You're taking a train because, you know, they have great trains over there that kind of, you know, you can get for cheap and you can go to your gigs. Imagine that day to day, how weird, scaring, harrowing that must be. Anyway, it continues. On Instagram, I get messages from older men Offering to be sugar daddies or promising money if I send them a special picture of myself. Jesus Christ, man. Honestly, the life of a woman that's fairly attractive on, on social media must be so interesting and so scary to see as a dude from the outside looking in. Like what it, what it must be like, especially if you're in the entertainment industry where you have to post pictures of yourself. Cause I think people for some, I don't know why there's some guys that I think just because someone's posting a picture of themselves looking cute, it's not an invitation for you to like, you know, I don't know, send them a picture of your dick or something. That's not how it works, but I don't know why people have that kind of, you know, thing in their head. It's just, you know, you feel good, you put the picture out, you might want to get some dopamine hits for people liking, leaving fire emojis, but that's where it should stop. But imagine day-to-day what that must be like, especially if you're a DJ. It continues, says, the situation in which they come close to me, even touch me, and otherwise behave in abusive ways are increasing. Once a very well male DJ wrote to me asking for nude photos. Holy shit! I would love for her to expose who that is. I would love it. Please do, Mary Moxamir. This is, to be fair, she's being responsible and not saying the name. But I also think there's a responsibility with some people. If you're, if you're in, if you are, if you feel confident enough to do so, to out people that do this sort of shit and share names, especially if, like abusive people. Like you have to just so you can protect other people who may come across them further down the line. You, you you kind of owe it to them and to yourself to kind of put their name out there just so people are aware i understand there's possibility of being sued and shit and it can get a bit touchy and it can maybe ruin you in the relationships with you having industry but damn bro a famous dj told her for male pictures Oof. um it continues too often during a gig a promoter or male dj has kissed me somewhere without being asked are you insane Imagine booking Mary Moxtomir to play at your venue. You love how she plays. Like I've seen her play a couple of times. Listen to a few of her mixes. She's a fucking beast. You get her to play at your place. You negotiate a good fee. You want to make her feel welcomed. And then you decide to kiss her. Un- unwelcomed, uninvited kiss. Like people are freaks. People are freaks. <laughs> I swear to God. Like what? And then what? The male DJ, I'm guessing this person played maybe before. And you're swapping. Usually it's a fist bump, high five, or maybe just a heads up, whatever. Instead, you're kissing. And they only do that because she's a girl and she's attractive. If she wasn't attractive or a girl, they wouldn't do that. So that's when you know it's fucking, it's very specific sort of thing, which must be harrowing for women out there, man. God damn it. Like I said before, as, as amazing as it must be, I think, not amazing, as, as, um, as, um, no, it's not amazing, but there's definitely a side to DJing where if you're attractive and you're good at DJing, you for sure, can make it way more way before i do right just being like a fucking you know ape of a black dude for sure you can make it before i do but when you do make it it definitely comes with its issues having to field nonsense dms nonsense requests uninvited fucking advances um you know leering eyes even just djing at gigs just imagine if you're super attractive and you just feel like everybody looking at you wants to fuck you 
<laughs> that could be fucking so weird to kind of process like you actually can feel it because i'm sure because it's, it's you know many dudes have probably known that before that women could just feel your desperation it kind of reeks off of you even if you don't intend it to be so imagine if you're playing somewhere you're sober you're enjoying yourself it's a third gig of the, of the week you're just you know going through the motions you you can clock the environment you can know you can spot who the freaks are you can see them even through the darkness even through the haze of the smoke and shit you can definitely see it so I'm sure there's some female DJs out there, women DJs that will say, hey, you know what? I can definitely feel it. When I'm playing somewhere, I can feel the energy. I can feel if I'm in a room full of creeps. Like, <laughs> whew. Anyway, it continues. But I experienced some such negative experience before I even entered the club. I usually travel unaccompanied, often to cities that I don't know. I experienced a preliminary high point a few weeks ago at a gig in Gdansk, in which one encroaching situation followed the next. Jesus Christ. Um, already in the taxi, which the organizer had called in advance, I was harassed by an unknown passenger. I had to prove to him that I really was a DJ because he really wanted to hear a set from me. I said no several times. So what did they want? Did they want, so did this guy in this taxi want her to like start mixing in the back or something? Fucking hell. Um, I said no several, this is like, it's like, um, this is like the equivalent of when I go to place places and I start playing straight techno and people expect me to play hip hop because I'm black. It must be the same for some women. Like, you go to a venue. I'm the DJ. No, you're not. No, I'm the DJ. No, you're not. It's like, just because you're a hot girl. That must be so annoying. You, have to get, you get your phone out. You prove it. Or someone in line says, no, that's the... Oh, okay. Now, that must be... That must put you... That must be such a vibe killer. It's already a vibe killer when you go to a club and the security are extra excessive with the searches. Or they ask you, who do you know? Or they try and make you answer quiz questions. It just, you know, kills your mood. Imagine if you're going to play, you're buzzed, you're ready to go, you've got some new tunes there, you're, you're eager to see what it's like on the inside because you've never been there, and then somebody's like, no, you're not playing there, you're not the DJ, you can't be a DJ. Of course you can't be a DJ, you're a woman, ha ha ha, you can't be a DJ. Fuck. Anyway, so behind, the, the, um, returning to the article, it says, I said, I said no several times, yeah, to hear a set from me, I said no several times, I, and said I felt uncomfortable putting on a set of mine now. He kept pushing me until I finally told him to stop. He then switched to Polish and blurted out something about me to the driver, believing I wouldn't understand him. Okay, she understands Polish as well. So big up um, Mary Moximir for being a, a bilingual queen or multilingual queen. Yeah, he insulted me as a whore for not doing his will. I called the promoter. I was grateful that I had a woman as a promoter that night. That doesn't happen often. So she calls the promoter. She escapes. She thinks she's in the, in the, in, in the clear. But I'm guessing this story gets worse. Arriving at the club, I made a, my way through the crowd. A man tried to grab my chest, so grab her boob as she's walking through the crowd to go and DJ. All the guys there probably know her as a DJ also. Honestly, man, can you imagine what some of these other women have to go through? If Mary Moxamia is getting this, can you imagine what some of the other ones that kind of lean into their sex appeal get? Because get? I'm sure they lean into it as a selling point and to get gigs, and usually if you try it, they're going to fucking shoot you down or they're going to tell you about themselves or they're going to kick you in the nuts. I'm sure of it. I'm sure. But, you know, some, some decide to lean into it, some don't. But can you imagine what the ones who do lean into it or do lean into their sexuality or their whatever it may be, you know, to sell tickets or just to be a, a performer, you, you do what you do. Imagine what their DMs are like. Imagine what they're like, what their experiences are like is in a club day to day. And this is why inherently it's impossible to create a safe space in a nightclub because nightclubs inherently attract pieces of shit because it's at the night. It's in night. This is what it is. 
that thing my mum used to say or my parents used to say all the time nothing good happens after 9pm is legitimately true <laughs> legit a man tried to grab my chest and slapped his I slapped his hand away backstage I prepared myself and finally started my set imagine you get hassled in the back of a cab you probably think you're on the brink of getting ripped or assaulted you suddenly get out of it because you got street smarts and you're exertive and you put your foot down you finally ring the promoter as a woman you get there you're cool <sighs> okay i'm over it finally so we can get going to set now you're in the mood you start okay let's get happy let's get in the mood let's get joyful let's try and provide a good set you're walking through the set to get to the fucking dj booth and someone just to grab your fucking boob like oh god almighty this goes to show that there's so many things that go into why sometimes DJs have bad performances in clubs outside of just, you know, playing badly. All these other things happen outside of that that we have no idea about. We're on the floor rolling. We're in the toilet sniffing. We have no idea what's going on behind before they even got there. Fucking hell. Anyway, it continues. I prepared myself. Um, I felt unsafe. Um, sorry. I prepared myself and finally started my set. It felt uneasy when I saw a group of shirtless men up front pushing each other in the front row. I made eye contact with the people in the audience, a gesture in which I tried to give them my attention so that they feel seen. They in turn gave me a small sense of security in return by returning an eye contact. A few minutes later, a man from the crowd held up his cell phone and says, can I have your number? <laughs> okay. Picture this, honestly, being a, <laughs> it sounds fucking horrible. Being a woman who DJs in, in dance music must be fucking awful picture the scene she makes eye contact with these guys that are shirtless in front of the booth because they're being a bit too aggressive and she also wants to kind of you know make them know, hey don't worry about pushing and trying each other to get in front of me i can see you like well hey, what's good man i'm you know little acknowledge little head nod they take that head nod or that acknowledgement as her saying i want to fuck one of you that's how fast the guy brain runs it goes from hi hey can we like it's just like relax she's djing there's no thought in their mind about getting off with each other you're probably trying to think about playing the right song in you know beat matching you know making sure the mixes and fucking clanging making sure you you know what you're gonna play next like that's what you're thinking about maybe you're even thinking about your your meal after but you're not thinking about you're gonna fuck on the dance floor trust me i played enough times like that's what no that's what you're if as a guy i'm not thinking that and you think guys are usually more horny women definitely aren't thinking that when they're djing so the fact that those guys thought that is legitimately batshit insane. And she responded by giving them a bit of finger wheels for the number. Honestly, man. The, the only thing you should be doing, typing on a phone and showing to a DJ is, I love you, you're amazing. Or saying, please, can you give me the tune ID? And both of those things are still annoying, but those are the only acceptable things that you can show to a DJ when you get their phone, when you put the phone up, up in front of them or in front of the booth. Can I have your number? No. I love you. You're amazing. I'm happy you're here. Welcome to Gadance, blah, 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 whatever. I loved your tune that you released in 2017. Um, can I tune ID? That's it. You should not be saying anything else. It continues. I left the club with mixed feelings. I bet you did. Knowing the guests on the dance floor could be exposed to more explicit and sometimes violent forms of sexism. After all, being on stage means taking the same position and setting. At least in a moment, friends of people on the dance floor do not have this privilege. Yeah, okay. So she's saying that she felt safe behind the booth. But she felt bad for the people in the club that are on the dance floor because if this is what she's getting, being the DJ behind the booth, just imagine how a hiring must be on a dance floor. For sure. I can't imagine. I can't imagine the amount of times on the dance floor, people in the Flinter community or women in general, how often they get touched up. 
I would love someone to say that, like a woman to be honest and say, hey, how often is it in your dance or dancing that you feel someone touching your bum? Like how often? I bet it happens so often. And that's like a subtle form of fucking sexual harassment that <laughs> is happening on the daily, minute by minute, hour by hour. Fucking hell. Insane. Talk, talking as a risk. Um, this is not the first time that I've faced such situations. I've had similar experiences in many clubs around the world, but the public doesn't get all this because of course it's difficult to speak of the free rave culture in the same breath to justify any awareness, existing grievances and inequalities. Once a problem is discussed an awareness team should be in the solution, they should act as a constant, as a, no, sorry. Um, oh, let's go. Sorry. Let's start again. Once a problem is discussed an awareness team should be the solution. I agree. They should act as a contact person during a club night. But are they adequately trained? And the awareness team alone is not enough to make a club safe. Of course, the awareness team is like having street pastors and stuff for people that are like unhoused or homeless. It doesn't really, it's nice, but it doesn't do much. Um, if anything, it's more so a, prior, a prerogative of the club to inform or enforce certain practices, certain protocols to weed out all the creepos that's the main thing like Bergen is a good example for the big club that it is i feel like again i'm not a woman so i wouldn't know but i feel like most likely if you're a single woman or a single person from the finter community it's probably the only club you feel safer because of the high rejection rate they get rid of a lot of riffraff still some flow through or kind of slip through i'm sure but because of their you know entrance policy being so strict and because of all the mystery around the club and the fact that everyone kind of polices each other on the dance floor, I've always told a story about the first time I went to Berkheim ever. I didn't know that in Berlin in general, you're not meant to do drugs on the dance floor. You're meant to always go in the toilets. So I did what every other English person does, right? British English people were known to like do the drugs on the fucking dance floor. You're breaking the pill in your pocket. You're doing a bump on the dance floor quick and you're carrying on with your dance. But obviously over there, that's not what you do. You take your drugs like a gentleman and you go into the bathroom and you do what you want to do. If you want to shit, if you want to do drugs, you do it in there. And I remember specifically, I didn't even get a chance to take the bump. I took the baggie out of my flipping pocket and then some guy randomly, hey, no, 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 you don't do that here. You got to do it in the toilet. And that guy wasn't a worker for Berghain, just a random dude in there. I think he had butterfly wings on, super chill. I said, hey, nope, you don't do that here. Go to the bathroom. And that was just somebody policing people in the space themselves. So imagine if that kind of carries on, if somebody sees someone being uncomfortable or looking like they're being touched upon, I'm sure they're reported. So I think all of that is what makes those spaces safe, like everybody policing each other. I don't think you can have awareness officers that can spot things. It's not really, that's not really going to work. It's better to have like the training happening around people and be able to like, hey, that's good, that's not cool, wherever it may be. I think so anyway. Going back to the article, talking about honesty is a risk for artists. The awareness safe space halo of social media and nightlife is blinding us so much so that we don't dare to take it off and give our opinion on such situations. Because do I want to make myself unpopular because as a female DJ, I complain about negative experiences of my gigs? Very true um and i do not and i do want to be the one who disrupts the collective harmony because i point out the grievances instead of focusing on the positive thereby ignoring everything else so it sounds like there's a stigma against speaking out because you sound like you're complaining which is weird because it's one thing for a dj to be complaining about the flights they're taking and having to you know eat out of hotels and live out of a suitcase that's that's like you know first world problems to an extent but it's still sound understandable. You know, being in your own bed is being in your own bed and shitting your own toilet, shitting your own toilet. There's not, nothing can beat that. But 
surely complaining about your safety in a nightclub, especially when it comes to a sexual point of view and harassment, that shouldn't be looked at down upon as you complaining or you not being appreciative of your position. No way. Because just because you DJ, it shouldn't be a reason for you to be groped and shit. And just because you happen to be attractive and a woman, you shouldn't be the victim of that sort of thing also. That's awful. And so the, the, and so Halo continues, says here, to shine over club culture, which like the rest of the world is still a subject to a firmly anchored patriarchal structures and patterns of thought. When I talk to colleagues, they share their experiences. Added to this is their experiences, which are not always sexist in nature, but can also be intersectional and, for example, be mixed experience of racism. Yeah, of course. Like I said before, like I've been to clubs where I've DJ places. You turn up with your staff and they're like, you, you know, you're not the DJ. They don't believe you because of what you look like. Or you go to a certain place and they expect you to play a certain genre of music. Oh, are you going to play Afro beats? Are you going to play I'm a piano? And it kind of just makes you feel shitty, really, in general, because I like, hold on. Just because I look the way that I look, I can't play this music. It's fucking annoying. But um, it continues. They too are tired to talking about it. They are tired of the fact that feminist and sectional spaces still have to be fought for. Many of us have an experience that we are not taken seriously and our experiences are played down. The much vaunted, vaunted safe spaces, sorry, then suddenly no longer seems to exist. I definitely don't see the space. It would be necessary to, uh, so that we can talk to each other. This space can only exist if male colleagues, promoters and DJs also position themselves clearly and rethink their actions and their own positions because a positioning should not always only be taken by those affected. Of course, this is why I say it's a collective. Um, of course, she's kind of pointing out more so on the male side of things, which I understand, but it's a collective thing. Everyone's taking responsibility. It starts from calling out the, the creeps and the abusers. It comes from taking accountability and responsibility for those around you, treating everybody in the rave in a space as your fellow raver, brother and sister in arms, looking after everyone. You see somebody needs water, you get them water. Um, somebody needs to call a taxi, call them a taxi. No fucking intentions needed there. Somebody needs to get taken home. You take them home without encroaching yourself on their space. Like all that sort of stuff is really necessary because that's the only way you kind of root out all the nonsense because if not, it kind of continues and perpetuates and perpetuates. Sorry, it continues. Uh, discussions or professionally led workshops by anti-discrimination officers within clubs can support this process and inclusion clause in the rider for every artist could lead to food for thought and subsequent changing measures. Promoters and club owners must constantly reflect on their own internal club structures because open spaces also need room to criticism of course but you have to start with calling out those djs whoever that dj was that fucking tried to kiss you behind a booth you have to call that out whoever that DJ person was or club that you felt unsafe out someone's grabbing your booby you have to call that all that seems to be made aware so that if there are solo ravers and you know women ravers out there who want to go around places they can know where to avoid hey if you go to Gdansk there's a particular club that you should be aware of because people do this and that and this promoter did this and that this, this is important also so we'll, we'll know who the monsters and things are um, but I can understand from a career point of view she's only two years into her professional DJing career the last thing you want to do is burn bridges if just talking about this is an issue like she's already saying it's kind of looked down upon to talk about this sort of stuff just talking about it imagine if you start naming names and you're only two years in you probably don't have in, you feel like you don't have enough clout yet you don't have enough of a name yet to weather the storm you don't know whose relationships you're going to affect it can be a bit sticky which is really sad to be completely honest but i completely understand where mary moxie is coming from but again check it out if you haven't already um the original article a name i guess in german i can put up here on the screen it's like that 
I don't know what the fuck that word is. Jewishen Harmony und Sexismus. Um, but it's available on Taz.e. Um, I'll put the link obviously in the description if you want to read it yourself. It's a really, really good article and it does expound on some really interesting topics. And she kind of describes it in a really interesting way in terms of how to deal with all that stuff going forward. So big up, Mary Moxamia. Anyways, that has been. The Agassino Zinga Show episode number 671. I've been chatting for way too long to you. It's nearly approaching two hours, 30 minutes. And I've got to get going and doing my things that I've got to be doing. I hopefully, hopefully hope that you've had a good time listening to me rant and ramble about all these cultural topics. Big up to the stream chat for hanging in there with me. I appreciate you, all of you. Big up everybody that's going to be listening to this via the audio platforms. If you are, make sure that you share this for me to help me out. If you can, make sure you leave a review on Apple or Spotify or wherever else you listen to podcasts. I'd be greatly appreciated that's all i ask from you if you listen to the audio platform of this pod you shall hear my tune of the day so if you want to hear my tune of the day for the podcast definitely go and subscribe to the podcast on the audio side of things but if you're watching this all you can do is just smash the like button down below that's all you need to do if you did enjoy yourself apart from that big up everybody in the stream chat for hanging in with me i appreciate you all very very much and i'll see you guys again very very soon for an episode of the action zinger show love and light love and light Peace. I've been waiting for this moment my whole life I done lost so much sleep about this and night I've been running around just asking for advice but they just tell me what I'm thinking what think twice you know you're wrong, 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 wrong for what you did just know that I won't forget special